Hospital bathrooms with jet dryers can have five times as much bacteria than those that just use paper towels. Isn't it just kind of like killing a gnat with a sledgehammer, those things? Like, it, they didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Paper towels work great. Do they have the kind in the men's room that you stick your hand down in? Yes. The dryer? The it's, Dyson blade. Yes, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Dyson blade that you walked through out of the shower and it dried you that off? That might be painful. Maybe, for... yeah. That oh, yeah. Well, that's boys. true. I had thought, I had thought about that part of it. <laughs> you just walk out of there holding your stomach. Ow. I'm so dry. Andy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's three minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. For 11. It's 68 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Pope Francis is calling for a worldwide summit on clergy sex abuse. The Pope yesterday summoned bishops from around the world to the Vatican this February to discuss how to stop clergy from sexually abusing children. That summit is believed to be the first of its kind. We are, of course, aware of that grand jury report here in Pennsylvania. German publications are reporting an alleged widespread sex abuse within the Catholic Church in Germany. Publications say a report commissioned by the German Bishops' Conference details nearly 4,000 abuse cases by Catholic clergy between 1946 and 2014. The report apparently says more than half the victims were 13 years old or younger, with the majority being boys. Here's my question, though. Why do they have to have a summit to try to figure this out? It's not a hard thing to figure out. Don't know. We just have to have a no-tolerance policy going forward. Like, you did a story yesterday where Cardinal Worrell was going to go over and talk to the Pope about maybe resigning. It's like, the calls are there. Just Save the trip. Yeah. I don't understand what they're taking so long to figure out. Don't know either. This is not rocket science. It's real simple. Heavy rains here over the weekend are causing changes to be made for this weekend's Covered Bridge Festival. Organizers say heavy rains and flooding force caretakers of the Kreps Covered Bridge in Mount Pleasant to bow out. The Hughes, Hughes Bridge in Amwell Township and White Covered Bridge in Green Township already canceled their programs, but nine other sites will remain open in Washington and Green Counties. Finalists for this year's Toy Hall of Fame class are being announced. The Strong's National Toy Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York, said this year's finalists in include American Girl Dolls, Chalk, Shoots and Ladders, the Magic 8-Ball, the Fisher-Price Corn Popper, Masters of the Universe, Pinball, the Sled, Tic-Tac-Toe, Tickle Me Elmer, Elmo, Tudor, <laughs> Electric, Football, and Uno. Fans will be able to vote for their favorite finalists through September 19th at toyhalloffame.org. The three toys that receive the most public votes will be submitted and join the other top three submission by members of the National Selection Advisory Committee. The final 2018 toy inductees will be announced November 8th. Kind of a wide berth for the definition of toy there. Yeah, we talk about this every year. They <laughs> announce know, the... Want to come over and play with my sled? No. Tickle, tickle me Elmer would be about that that doesn't sound like it's a toy actually it does sound like it's a toy it does just doesn't sound like one that belongs in that group and anybody Uh, that knows billy knows that he loves to be tickled he sure does give this burglar half credit for a good idea executed poorly david devlin one of three men who broke into a home in england then attacked the female resident inside while during the struggle the victim 
scratched, you know, his skin and he thought, well, that's going to leave DNA evidence behind. I got to do something. So he scrubbed her hands and clipped her fingernails so police wouldn't be able to get his DNA. But he left the fingernails at the scene. Oops. Police were able to, in fact, use DNA from the nails to identify Devlin. They arrested him. He admitted to two charges of robbery, one count of grievous bodily harm. He's been sentenced to 22 years in jail. Wow. Slash is taking a second look at Guns N' Roses songs. He tells Yahoo Music he admits the Me Too movement led him to conclude some of their songs are, quote unquote, sort of sexist. (laughs) But the guitarist adds titles such as It's So Easy and Used to Love Her are not to be taken (laughs) seriously, saying, quote, I don't think they were malicious or anything. Calling me a slut? I mean, look... If ACDC had to go through its catalog and retool <laughs> things to be uh, not sexist, there would be no ACDC songs. I I always yeah. kind of felt like it was a tongue-in-cheek thing. I, I don't know. Yeah. And it's a different... I don't know. I, it, it's I, like I, caveman I'm, I'm confused like, on how to proceed with without, like... You know, ignoring the, the knowledge that we have today, but also not persecuting people for the ignorance of the past right but like i i mean that's really the the best way to say it i mean at some point it's somebody's responsibility to not take things like acdc to heart and be like well this is how we should act or guns and roses or or whatever like i never for once thought like i'm gonna treat women like they talk about in an acdc song or you know, sometimes there's imagery that's like, you know, they made fun of it in Spinal Tap. Smell the glove. Right. You know? Tom. Like, the record company has a problem with you having a woman on all fours, chained up, smelling a glove. Tom Petty's representatives and members of the Heartbreakers are considering several future archival releases. A box set of Petty's 1994 second solo studio album, Wildflowers, is already in the works. Heartbreakers guitarist Mike Campbell says the group plans to do a live anthology featuring performances from their 1977 residency at the Fillmore in San Francisco. Meanwhile, the Petty Box set and American Treasure will be available September 28th. And a brand new set of celebrities will be throwing throwing on their dancing shoes for the 27th season of Dancing with the Stars. The show's new cast includes actor John Schneider, radio personality Bobby Bones, former NFL player DeMarcus Ware, and comedian Nikki Glazer. How yeah. about that? Good for Nikki. Nikki. The show's last winner was Olympic figure skater Adam Rippon. Uh, season 27 pr- premieres on September 24th. Clouds and sun, rain possible today, 80 for the high. It's 63 at DVE. All right, big show for you today. We got uh, Ann Wilson from Heart, 645. Also, Missy Matthews, our friend Missy Matthews from Steelers.com. PFT commenter from Barstool Sports every week. Barstool Thursday. We'll call this the Barstool Blast, like the Berman Blast on ESPN. <laughs> Adam like Teicher it. from ESPN.com is your Know Your Enemy segment. Uh, he'll uh, tell us everything you'd need to know about the Chiefs as the Steelers get set for this weekend's game. A 1 o'clock kickoff at Heinz Field. Don't forget, 9 a.m. is when we get things going here on the uh, on the radio flagship of the Black and Gold 102.5 DVE. And Tom and Tuds in Aspenwall. That's your Bud Light game day bar of the week. 225 Bud Light 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. Tom and Tuds 
in Aspenwall. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. 6.45 for you early risers. We'll talk with Ann Wilson. Uh, is she a Hall of Famer yet? Rock and Roll Hall of Famer? I don't, I don't know. If she's uh, not, I mean, that's eminent, right? I would think. Seems yeah. so, yeah. Uh, she's got a brand new album of covers out where she uh, basically paid tribute to all of her fallen friends in the music industry. It's pretty cool. So that's coming up, 645. DV. Man, that song has just always had a, I don't know, magical sort of quality to it. Much of Sgt. Pepper does for me. Uh, DVE Morning Show. After the news the other day, though, the Paul McCartney interview where he talked about the fact that those guys used to have circle, you know, <laughs> yeah, Yankees doodle dandies. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only thing I I can think about with the Beatles now, and that's what I'm afraid of, is that the jokes have gone on for so long that I'm not going to be able to ever disassociate myself from them jokes. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. Why would he tell that? I don't know. Let's all go in a room and uh, have fun with our Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> no comment from Ringo on this? Uh, maybe he didn't get invited to that. I don't know. Maybe it's like on the White Album. Paul had to do the drumming for him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Mike Drucker, comedian, uh, uh, late night writer, had a great joke. He said the, the, the monkeys had to hire people to masturbate for them. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, yeah, there's so many uh, um, puns that were made because of, well, the ease of making a masturbation joke and nine billion Beatles songs. There's a whole page of them. Of course, the New York Post yesterday, on the cover, beat the Beatles. Uh, we can wank it out was one. I liked we. <laughs> we can wank it out. I liked we. I like we can jerk it out. I thought that was the funniest. Everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey that I am spanking. <laughs> There's a we all bleep in a yellow submarine. Um, me please me. <laughs> Here comes the bleep. Uh, it rhymes with some yeah. Twisted chap. <laughs> I want to hold my penis. I feel mine. Eleanor tug me. <laughs> That's a great one. All you need is self love. Uh, hello goodbye. Me talking to my penis. It says in parentheses. I don't even know what that means. Um. Eight yanks a week. Well, I liked yours better. Masturbate days a week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, instead of dig it, tug it. I guess I don't know. I mean, look, meat shell. Well, that doesn't yeah. even make sense. A lot of them don't make any sense. Uh, and then uh, my favorite might be wax man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Why would he say it, Val? I don't know. Like, wh why do you want to taint your taint legacy? Yeah. I mean, not that that's it's not criminal, but nobody needs to know that. It's a really odd story to share, as if it were just like, oh yeah. We also and doesn't everybody do that? I mean, he also on. talked about killing frogs when he was a kid in this interview. It's like serial like, killers. Really? Stuff. I mean, was, that the, was that a euphemism, though? No. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be sitting in a circle cooling on frogs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. He was actually talking about being, like, psychopathic because they thought, you know, you would get drafted. You had to serve. And with World War II having just happened, there was a lot of fear. 
that this was going to sort of get you know amped up again. So he was trying to toughen himself up, he said, for the eventuality that we'd have to serve in the military one day because he, he thought he was just like a wuss. He's like, I have to toughen myself up. How will I go out and kill people? And he's like, well, I'll start with animals. So he started killing frogs. I don't know. That is kind of serial killer stuff. Yeah. It would make sense. Of all of the Beatles, you'd probably be inclined to say John Lennon would be like the most likely to be a serial killer. But it's probably Paul McCartney. Yeah. The most unsuspecting. Ted Bundy of the bunch. Yeah. There's an interview he did uh, on the WTF podcast with Mark Maron. It's a live interview at Capitol Records. Which is very good, and it contains some of the stuff in the GQ article. The GQ article is like a book. It's really long, but it's good. I recommend it. He has he has good insight as to how people's memories change. I like how he talks about that, that everybody remembers all this stuff about the Beatles and stuff with him. You know, there's these stories about him, you know, jamming with Elvis. You know, like the interview ask, interviewer asks him, about this legendary supposed jam session that happened with the Beatles and Elvis. He's like, that didn't happen. It never did. And some record executive's like, I was there. It happened. And he's like, it didn't. I'm telling you it didn't. And he's like, and John might have thought it did. He might have remembered it differently. And then Paul was like, all we did was sit around in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> we invited him into our wank sesh, but he was so shy. He just had to kind of keep his back to us. He just stayed over there with Scotty and the Elvis uh, Mafia. <laughs> Memphis Mafia. Uh, so, a, a long interview. I highly recommend reading it, though. His new album is called Egypt Station. Mm-hmm. And he's 76 years old. That Pretty is the amazing. super remarkable part. Because he's only a year younger than my dad. And I just don't see my dad getting ready to go out on a world tour right now. <laughs> don't think that that would be happening anytime soon. The uh, aforementioned ACDC. Ann Wilson from Heart. She is a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. They were inducted in 2013. My interview with her coming up at 645. Also, Mike Pursuta with your sports at the bottom of the hour. Steelers get set for the Chiefs. And AB, he apologizes for, you know, threatening a reporter, which I think is a nice. That's a positive step for AB. He called God and he said, stop threatening people, apparently. (laughs) DVE. Tom. DVE Sports. Mike pursued it with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Five Steelers not practicing yesterday. Guard David DeCastro, one of those. He's got a fractured hand, and although DeCastro... Re-entered the game last Sunday in Cleveland after initially sustaining his injury. He emphasized yesterday he's not going to try to be a hero this Sunday against the Chiefs. All hands are tough, especially a line position we play, especially you know pass blocking. It's not like the '80s or something like that where you can just fire off the ball at people with your shoulder pads. So it's a, uh, it's tough. If I don't think I'm better than B.J. Finney coming in, that's, there's no point of me going in there and being selfish and trying to be a tough guy. It's just stupid, and I don't want to do harm to the team. So we'll make the decision when we get there. You got a lot of confidence in him. Tons of confidence, exactly. So we'll be all right. How long do you think this is going to last? I don't know. I thought just you know he got hurt. He went back in in the Browns game. So you think okay, it's something he can play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it's a little worse than they initially thought. But uh, I'm not. I'm not saying he's not going to play now. But that was an interesting point by him with the confidence they have in Finney. He doesn't feel compelled to go out there at less than his best because him at less than his best is maybe not as good as Finney at his best healthy. Right. 
Well, we know Finney can do the job. Yeah, I've seen it before. Uh, the other guy's not practicing yesterday. Ben Roethlisberger, elbow. Joe Hayden, hamstring. Tyson, Alou, Alou, shoulder. And Cam Hayward, knee. Uh, Vance McDonald was a full participant. What? I believe that's the first time that wow. he has started and finished a practice since the fourth practice of training camp. Jeez. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that would help. They're going to need all hands on deck offensively because they're going to have to score points. This is going to be one of those games Sunday. Right. Unless, I don't know, are we supposed to get weather? It's, We're probably uh, going to get runoff, yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah, right now I don't think it's a definite. But I would be shocked if we didn't see a ton more rain. Yeah, from what I saw, it's just a one-game sample size, but from what I saw the Chiefs against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers – Kansas City is incredibly explosive on offense and really vulnerable on defense. So right now, uh, the iPhone weather is 79 degrees and mostly sunny for Sunday and all rain on Monday. So if that gets so if pushed... here early, yeah. stay tuned. But uh, yeah, I'm thinking 38-35, uh, something like that, and then they'll start the second quarter. <laughs> Then we'll see where it goes. So take the over is what I'm getting from this. Well, I think you're going to see a lot of points scored. One of the reasons the Chiefs are so explosive, we have talked already this week and we'll continue to talk about Tyreek Hill, the uh, amazing uh, wide receiver slash return guy. Uh, T.J. Watt is one of the Steelers who's going to have to defend him. And uh, Watt's brother Derek plays for the Chargers. He went against the Chiefs last week. Derek did, or mm-hmm. last Sunday, I should say. Uh, asked T.J. Watt yesterday if he might uh, have gotten a little inside intel, and it turns out he did not. Uh, he played offense, so it's, it's different. Um, uh, he, he is on special teams, though. He said 10's fast. I said I already knew that. 10's fast. <laughs> Thanks for the scouting, bro. 10's fast. A <laughs> uh, little heads up. 10's fast. Mike Hilton said he's the fastest guy in the league, and everybody knows it. Without a doubt. Yeah. 4-2 and. Hilton said 4-3 on a bad day. Well, I'm trying to remember the last time somebody came in and just lit us up on special teams. They've done well against this guy in the past. Yeah, they have. They've, but that doesn't mean he's not incredibly explosive. you got to respect him. One you bad just... angle, one missed tackle. Bring out the extra point team. Well, Jordan Berry needs to go to work, make sure he's putting some... Uh, Angles on those kicks. Yep. And he's got to get a foot on the ball. Or just, okay, kick it 20 yards, but kick it out of bounds. <laughs> right. Scoreboard doesn't change. Yeah. They haven't done that in the past. They, they've angle kicked, but they haven't totally just said, okay, you're not getting the ball. Right. And they've done they've done a very credible job against him in the past. I don't think Jordan Berry is the kind of guy that you can count on to do that without screwing it up. I really don't. I'm serious. McAfee was good at that stuff. Uh, Sepulveda back in the day would have been good at that stuff. There's, you know, as dumb as that sounds, there's an art to doing that without only kicking it 20 yards. Oh, no question. Yeah, there is definitely an art to doing that. And that's part of the gig if you're in the NFL. But I I don't hate that. I think job one is going to be don't let them get it in the end zone. 
And any yards you can get in the exchange yeah. of possession would be a bonus to me. Now, they, they won't look at it that way. Like I said, they, they played this guy last year. They held them to very reasonable totals, and they won the game. So, But if you're punting from, you know, if it's fourth and seven at your own 48-yard line right before midfield, Jordan Barry has to punt that through the end zone on the other side. Yeah. I mean, he's got to get a, a leg on that. It's interesting. Give it, them the touchback. It's been mostly the return with Hill that, that got everybody's attention in his first two years in the league and, you know, the odd gadget play. But I think he's a legit receiver now. Well, that and is it, the, yeah. The defense is going to have to really keep this guy in front of him, too. It's a, he's he's their chief target. Chief receiving threat. So this is going to be a very challenging game for the Steelers' defense. I, 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 and Hayden is? Hayden did not practice. We'll see. Okay. I'd feel more comfortable if he was there for some reason, though he doesn't have of course. the. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's more the coverage skills Veteran than speed. Savvy. Yeah. The, the, the play Joe Hayden made last Sunday on Josh Gordon down the middle in the end zone was that's why you have Joe Hayden. Yeah. Big play. And if you don't have him, you don't have that. Uh interesting developments yesterday as well. Uh the Steelers issuing apologies to both Art Rooney the second and Antonio Brown to the Post Gazette. Regarding Brown's threatening last week of an ESPN reporter, uh, Brown threatening the reporter on Twitter, uh, Art Rooney II tells uh, the Post-Gazette, quote, it is never okay for any employee of the Steelers organization, player, coach, or front office to threaten a member of the media or anyone else for that matter. I appreciate that Antonio is apologizing for his inappropriate comments. Now this is uh, in direct uh, contrast to what Mike Tomlin had to say about it on Tuesday. Guys, don't ask me about social media things. You know, we, we could talk all day about things that are online or on the Internet or in social media. I just choose to stay away from it um, because it's a waste of my time. There's very little accountability. There's very little journalistic integrity, et cetera. Guys say things they don't mean. I talk to my teenagers about it all the time. Uh, let's keep it professional and in the, and in the real. Uh, I think that's appropriate in this setting. So Mike Tomlin just didn't want to deal with it. And uh, Art Rooney II did eventually said that this is unacceptable and it, it should be deemed that way. Brown's uh, statement apology said, quote, I made a mistake in judgment with my tweet last week and I apologize for that. It's not okay to threaten anyone and I need to be better spiritually and professionally. Though I do not agree with the negative parts of the story about my personal life, I need to have better control over my actions to use social media as a way to engage with my fans rather than use it improperly. He is... Uh, I, I, I hope he never unravels. I think the person who comes off looking the worst in this is Tomlin. Well, no, the person that comes off looking the worst is Brown, but Tomlin's a close second. Tomlin, I think, was trying to say, this doesn't... It None of that stuff is real. That is a yeah. fantasy world. That's like asking me about somebody uh, uh, doing something in a video game. It's yeah. not real life, and that is it not is a, not is, enough. Yeah, it is. Real. He should. Mike Tomlin should have said what Art Rooney said. <laughs> I, I think that. Uh, so, so we're not going to. This is this is not who we are. I will deal with this. Don't worry about it. Do you think he understood it? Because I don't think. I. You know. I'm, the way I'm he answered sure, it doesn't sound like he did. He's a pretty sharp guy, but I'm not sure, to be honest with you. But his answer was far short of what Terrible. it should have been. Terrible, yeah. 
Because A.B. has somewhat of a track record of being a knucklehead on social media. Absolutely. Mike Tomlin is in a position of authority, and he's supposed to be keeping those guys in line. And when he just brushed it off and then the owner came over his head, I think that that's just he came out looking the worst on that one. And mostly because of like what I was saying yesterday, the perception that he doesn't have control of the team, that these guys are just – you know, the inmates yeah. are running the asylum. You it always happened hear. Uh, last month with Antonio Brown. Yep. Yeah. Inappropriate social media, unacceptable behavior. It's And that's not the first time it's happened. It continues to happen with Antonio Brown, who lives in his own reality. Oh, he wants and, to live in a treehouse that has a football field in it. And, it, you know, <laughs> my two cents, I, I think his apology is insincere, and they made him do it. Of course. Everybody um, thinks that. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm just, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody else on, on that kind of thing. You can speak uh, for me. I, without wonder a doubt. What wonder what he's going to do next month. As great as he is, we all know that his shortcomings as a person are many. The amount of charities he's left hanging, I mean, that's going to be the next. I know that they briefly touched on it in that in the uh, article that pissed him off in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And what, uh, what was the... Uh, what it the, wasn't the writer? A, yeah, it wasn't a magazine. Washington, Jesse, Jesse Washington. It's the called, undefeated. It, yeah, it's an arm of ESPN. Okay, it was ESPN. Uh, I but it's kind of like its own staff. I I think I'm not real up on the. I don't I don't spend much time on ESPN either online or television because I think they're garbage too. But uh, we know plenty of stories about him leaving charities. Hang yeah. in. Madden has talked about it over and over times. He's even made people wait six hours and things like that. We know about him taking money from our company and not showing up to do his own radio show. Well, yeah, that that was for, what, three years or something like that? Yeah. I he, mean, the article mainly focuses on the discrepancy between what he portrays on his Instagram and what people close to him have felt is the real him. Yes. And and it sort of talks about you know his drama with the babe, with the baby mama, his drama with his chef, his drama with his trainer. Yeah. All these people that are saying like, oh, this isn't the real him. He's, you know, right. not showing up to stuff. He's not paying us. He's he's a delusional, self-centered. Yeah, we selfish. T- all uh, of that stuff. Yeah. Also, he's the greatest receiver that the Steelers have ever had. Yes, he is. That's why that's why he gets away with being all that stuff. Because we've talked to charity organizations who have been not – he didn't show up late. He didn't show. He didn't fulfill obligations. And they told kids, you know, A.B.'s going to be here. And it never happened. And that is not something that – is easily made up for, and he doesn't appear to be making any attempt to do that. He lives in his own world. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, as a head coach in the NFL, like, you can't conflate now social media with teenagers with professional athletes. Teenagers are going to say stuff they don't mean. Professional athletes need to be held to a little bit higher of a standard now. Yeah, and I also think, you know, I, I think social media is real. I wish it wasn't, but it is. And there's it's part a, of it now. There's a difference between saying something inappropriate and saying something threatening. Agreed. Val has news, top of the hour. 
Well, I'm going to tell you why you should put up your Christmas decorations now. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Ann Wilson from Heart when we return deep. It's the DV Morning Show. Randy Bauman joined by Rock Royalty right now. She has a brand new album coming out September 14th, Immortal, and it is the one and only Ann Wilson. Ann! Oh, I'm giving you a round of applause. Hi. <laughs> How are Thank you? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, this is a pretty cool... Uh, um, project you have here, the new album Immortal, if you could describe for our listeners uh, what you're trying to accomplish here and what what Immortal is all about. Well, we've had a lot of our our more iconic artists die in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wanted to put together a, a collection of a song from each of them to honor them. And, um, I didn't just want to do the hits, so I went down through each of their bodies of work and chose a song that really I could relate to the most. So there's, you know, Leslie Gore, um, Leonard Cohen, David Bowie, Tom Petty, Chris Cornell, George Michael, um, and more, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a, it's just a way of of doing these songs my way, uh, which is really... With a lot of a, a lot of attention paid to the lyrics, because I think they're they're all great lyricists. So Amy Winehouse, you know. Yeah, a- Amy was she was one that I think for a lot of people, sort of, of your fan base, it, she probably grew on them. Having that retro sound to begin with was probably an easy entry point for for a lot of people. But maybe you know her personality might have overshone her music, and I think posthumously she's being recognized for her vocal abilities. What were your thoughts like when you first heard Amy Winehouse as a vocalist? I first became aware of her through my my teenage daughter's bedroom door. <laughs> and uh, and at first I just heard her as a young sort of Judy Garland, you know, as somebody who was way beyond her years as a as a performer. And uh, and of course there's no ignoring the soul there she's a really old soul she was mm-hmm. a really old soul you uh also cover your friend chris cornell i am the highway that had to be uh a, a little difficult uh to perform and think about his memory the whole time well you know i did love chris and um when he decided to go i thought well he's done what he can do here you know Obviously, he's made the decision that that's enough. So I was trying to feel joyful that he didn't have to experience the pain anymore. Mm-hmm. So when I did his song, I took it in that spirit. I I thought that he was complicated, smart, um, very passionate, and he really wanted to be free. And in I Am the Highway, that's what that song's all about. Um, so I felt I felt happy to do it. Tom Petty, uh, you you definitely dug deep. You you didn't go for yeah. you, you know the run of the mill hit here. What made you choose Luna? Oh, I've just always loved Luna from it when it first came out, and from the very first moment, I thought of I thought of Warren Haynes to play uh, guitar on it because that slow southern thing, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it really came together. Yeah, you performed with Warren uh, on tour last year, correct? Yeah, they uh, government mule had me sit in with them at Lockenfest, and then oh. I I went up to Asheville to their Christmas jam, and 
sat in with them again, and we got to be good friends. Yeah, I would imagine you would have found yourself a kindred spirit in Warren Haynes and, and uh, his collaborative sort of uh, aesthetic. Yeah, and he's just a fine person, mm-hmm. just a, a great soul. Do you think that the, the, like at one point there was almost a stigma uh, associated with covering bands or covering tunes. Was there a point in your career where where that became different, or was it a, just a point in time where audiences saw it as something different? Well, I've never had that stigma inside my own self um, because I I grew up in a house where my parents played, you know, Judy Garland, uh, Ray Charles, Edie Gourmet, Frank Sinatra in the house all the time and none of those people wrote songs they were you know they did other people's songs and did them great you know uh so i've never felt that stigma i think that uh these days there's so much new music and so much of it is auto-tuned and so much of it is is um sort of robotic and and anonymous sounding that i know a lot of people can't relate to it that well Mm-hmm. I think that that uh, to go in and do these great songs on Immortal, I hope that people will be able to really latch on to some of these songs, especially lyrically, because they really have a lot to say and they sound beautiful. All they those sound good on vinyl. Those songs that you were just referencing, you know, when you were coming up, those were considered to be traditionals. Have you thought about the fact that the era of music, of original music that you were a big part of, is now, by and large, also considered to be traditional for a huge demographic? There are people, you know, classic rock is never going away. It's the gold standard. Of course, it's the it's the Benny Goodman of the mm-hmm. of the millennial generation, right? Yeah. Um, they they hear songs like Freebird or something by Leonard Skinner, right. and they go. Boy, that's those were the old back in the day, you know. Yeah. So, and that's that's as it should be. I mean, that's how music perpetuates itself. It it um, like a great generation washes up like a wave, and then the next one comes after that, and they share something, and they it goes on. How have you been able to sustain your performance ability? for as long as you have. A lot of people, they lose tonal, vocal quality over the years. Yours doesn't seem to have been uh, suffering from degradation at all. Well, well, on a good day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, when it comes down to it, the voice is just another part of your body, so it's going to change the same way the rest of your body does as you age. But if you're careful, if you're respectful, if you love yourself and take care of yourself, there's no reason why you can't continue to sing or perform you know yeah now have you taken i know you did some tour dates with jeff beck and you did uh, some of the paul rogers free dates uh, earlier this year how are audiences reacting to you performing cover songs oh they loved it i had uh, 45 minutes because um because jeff beck and paul Rod- it was a lot of bands on the show so right. i had 45 minutes so i did one Art song. I did Barracuda, and then I told the audience that I only had a short time, so I wasn't just going to do a bunch of old heart classics. I was going to play my new record. And once the audience understood that, they were fine with it. Yeah. And it was really cool. By the time that my set was over, they were up and yelling and screaming, and it was really good. Politician by Cream. What made you choose that one from Jack Bruce? 
Oh, I always loved it. I just thought that that's a great riff, and uh, it's just a killer blues song. Yeah. We have Doyle uh, Bramhall playing a guitar solo on it, Tyler oh. Bowley. I mean, it's just like really, really good blues song. Yeah, Doyle's one of the all-time greats. Who else guests on this before we go? Uh, ben Mink, um, Doyle, Tyler uh, Bowley, and uh, Warren Haynes. Looking forward to it. Immortal from Ann Wilson. Ann, it was a pleasure speaking with you this morning. Best of luck going forward and keep singing. Thank you. I will. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. Erg. You know what I really did want to uh, uh, get into was the fact that Chris Berman is back. And Has he started back yet? I haven't so seen him at he, all. I think he starts next week, but here's my he had favorite a feature with Big Ben on Sunday. It, and you know what they're calling them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which was something different when I was <laughs> say, say what you will about the current Berman Black. But, listen, this was an all night taco binge. And uh, the Berman Blast. Minute. I mean, yeah. That's kind of what it was, right? I mean, yeah. Say, hey, we know what it's like in the. Made a big. Back, back, back. Buck Rogers, DDB. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Frank Caliendo on the show yesterday with us. Frankonstage.com to find out where he's playing uh, around the country. He's going to be in Charleston, West Virginia in like two months if you're uh, listening down south. Always good to talk with uh, with Frank. Yeah, good to hear from him and Merrill yesterday. Yeah, it was nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does he do a Merrill? Back in the groove. Yeah, he can do Merrill. Dang! There's nobody that Frank can't do. It's... One of those things, though, that is so easy for him that I think he gets bored with it. A hundred percent. He's so good at doing voices. You know, he mentioned that he, you know, he and I were talking the day before, and when we like, he'll text me about something. It's not. We're not talking about comedy. You're laughing. He is a highly philosophical guy, <laughs> and it's It's funny to me that anytime I hang out with Frank. He is not. Uh, it's not like uh, you know we're with Gardell or like burning those. You know we're all laughing and you know. Like back slapping right. and whatever, you know, like, you know, Caliendo's like, what do you think's going to happen if, you know, he's a very contemplative deep. and super smart, deep guy. Yeah. And then the comedy stuff is so easy for him that when he needs to turn on the switch, he does. And he's hilarious. He's so good at it. Don't forget that he had his own show in Vegas for years. Oh, and, yeah. And they flew him. I the, remember that. The casino flew him home every night because he lived in Phoenix. So it's like a whatever. 45 minute flight what was the hotel because i stayed there i stayed well, i was in vegas and was i new york new york or something no, like no. mgm oh, no it wasn't mgm rio nope at any rate his bona fides need not to be polished frank caliendo his berman uh, is my favorite i know i really i, I could listen to him do berman all the time <laughs> Well, he did the bit yeah. with Berman waking up in the morning in his morning routine. <laughs> yeah. That always makes me laugh. A uh, little bit later on this morning on the show, Missy Matthews from Steelers.com talking Steelers. Also, Barstool Sports, you know, the Berman Blast is back. Well, it's the Barstool Blast. Every Thursday, we're going to alternate having PFT Commenter and Big Cat on. So this week, we got PFT Commenter 915. Our Know Your Enemy segment with Adam Teicher is 945 this morning as we get set for the Steelers and the Chiefs. Val has news for you now. Valerie, 
What's going on? Well, here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 66 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Dollar Bank. Hurricane Florence is getting ready to blast the Carolina coast with dangerous winds and heavy rain. The National Hurricane Service says Florence will also bring devastating storm surges up to 13 feet. That storm expected to make landfall near Wilmington, North Carolina, then slowly move down the South Carolina coast before moving inland. Forecasters predict significant rain throughout that area between today and Tuesday. Florence has been downgraded to a Category 2. Pittsburgh, though, preparing for Florence while the storm isn't expected to make a direct hit. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers released water from dams around the Pittsburgh area that already have high water following last weekend's rain. City officials say contractors are also on standby for possible landslides as well. I uh, wouldn't want to be flying this weekend. No. Because even if you're not, not somewhere where the the storm is hitting, the after effect of all the cancellations and yeah. just altered flight schedules is really going to be screwing with everybody's weekend travel plans. What about today? Would you want to travel Yeah, today? you're fine today. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're Bill's uh, <laughs> headed uh, to, the, uh, to another part of the world to entertain the troops. For your third USO tour. That's right. That's awesome. Cool oh, thing. man. It is. It's the coolest. Can't wait. And the crew on this one again, Steve Byrne? Steve Byrne, um, Steve Simone, mm-hmm. another L.A. comic. Super really funny. funny. Um, and uh, a guy I've never worked with, Mark Ellis, who's also out in uh, L.A. Cool. So I'll be meeting up with those guys in Paris tomorrow morning. And then to a location, <laughs> an undisclosed location. Yes, that's yes. correct. All right. Adult film star Stormy Daniels says her upcoming book will offer details about her alleged affair with Donald Trump. Told you yesterday morning that uh, she had a big announcement yesterday, so that was it. She's got a book coming out on ABC's The View. Daniel said the book will, quote-unquote, blow your minds. The book, no, will whoa, be, whoa. the book will be released October 2nd, about a month before November's midterm elections. <laughs> President Trump has denied having an affair with Daniels at Lake Tahoe in 2006. Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, paid Daniels $130,000 before the 2016 election to keep quiet about that alleged affair. Uh, there is nothing that would blow my mind that she could possibly put in that book. The only no. thing might be as if, like, she said something along the lines of, he was very compassionate <laughs> and tender lover. If it was well written, <laughs> was that very would kind of blow my mind. Yeah, that too. Um, I was at the bookstore the other day, and I bought um, I bought my dad a copy of the book Fear, the Woodward book. And yeah. they were like, oh, my God, like, this book is flying off the shelves. I think they did a report last night. It sold, like, 750,000 copies in day one. And the woman who was checking me out goes, uh, yeah, you know, it's crazy, but the Omarosa book just did not sell at all. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, she's not uh, that trusted of an author. Yeah. I don't know how many books. Woodward. Not quite Bob Woodward. <laughs> yeah. Omarosa. The, yeah, all the president's men guy or <laughs> Omarosa or the, or the woman who swindled Michael Clark Duncan in his last days. <laughs> Which one do I want to buy? I listen- so I'm thinking Stormy's probably going to have similar sales to Omarosa. Oh, that I, I don't know. You think she's gonna she's gonna be it's very salacious? She's going platinum. I don't care about it. I oh, seriously. I mean, what else can she reveal that she hasn't already? Right what? on she, tape and and videos. Interviews. I mean, she's yeah. I think she's exposed. realizing like, oh man, I you know, for someone who made their living doing this. I sure gave away the uh, 
uh, the milk when they might have bought the cow. Because <laughs> she gave us all the details. Yeah. I already know what happened. Even that Ben Roethlisberger walked her back to her room. Was that? Kinda was... Yeah, she's never been big on foreplay, if you've ever seen any of her work. So that doesn't make... <laughs> is there a lot of that in porn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there a lot of foreplay in porn? The porn I like. <laughs> Bill likes very tender. Soft core. Tender, loving. The lady porn. <laughs> the lady porn. It's like soft focus porn. <laughs> right. That's the stuff Bill likes. A lot of candles and yeah. a lot of talking first. Yes. Yeah. Pajamas. Uh, would you say pajamas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like silk pajamas yeah. or negligees. Like, really nice, yeah. Mm. Comfortable stuff. That's Crawford porn. Comfortable stuff. If you're trying to save money, uh, you may want to pack your lunch and skip the coffee. A new study looked at how much the average American is spending on two things, going out to eat and grabbing coffee and smoothies and things like that. The average person eats at a restaurant or orders takeout or delivery 2.4 times a week and spends an average of $19.58 each time. So that adds up to 125 times a year, a total of 2443 bucks. We buy drinks like coffee and smoothies two and a half times a week, $3.72 every time, which is probably on the low end. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, 130 times a year, it's another 40, 484 bucks. So add it all up. We're spending almost three grand a year at restaurants and coffee shops. So that alone in the last five years, $14,000. I don't even want to know. I mean, I, I go to restaurants a lot. Coffee shops I'm not big on, but I do get like a serotonin kick from going into a coffee shop. Like, oh, I'm going to get something good right now. Right. So, uh, And it's never anything, you know, I don't get like the sugar drinks. I always say that there should be two lines at a Starbucks, one for the Dairy Queen people and one for the people who just want coffee. Because there, there are people there who are getting like these ice cream sundaes. Yeah. With I mean, that's the majority of the people there. cream on it. The, I think. the amount of sugar, that would be, you know how when you drive down the road and occasionally they'll have a radar set up and they'll say, your speed is, so they mm-hmm. let you know how fast you're going. They should have one of those for sugar content at a Starbucks. I don't think people would care. Like you walk past it, it's like, ding, you just bought 720 grams of sugar in two drinks. Like, yeah. what are you dipping that What's cake that pop into your frappuccino? That's the thing, too. And they have so many delicious little sugary things sitting there. And you're like, well, if I'm going to buy coffee, i got to have something to go with it. It's too much. I'll do a biscotti once in a while, but I don't get too crazy. <laughs> See, a biscotti will tear the roof of my mouth right up. <laughs> yeah, I don't like really? it. Really? Yeah, I'm not Dude, into you got to dip him. You got to dip. You dip the biscotti, you make it soft so it doesn't like cut up. I just never. And then you know how much of a bite you take? However much you dipped. <laughs> up to the high water mark. Yeah, you just dip it to the point you want to take a bite. If you can't wait for the holidays, well, go ahead and put those decorations up early. Experts say it'll make you happier. Psychoanalyst Steve McCune says, quote, in a world full of stress and anxiety, people like to associate to things that make them happy, and Christmas decorations evoke those strong feelings of childhood. Decorations are simply an anchor or a pathway to those old childhood magical emotions of excitement. So putting up those Christmas decorations early extends the excitement. Like how early? You can put them up now. I think that 
I only really love the Christmas decorations when it comes right down to Christmas. Like there's a scene in the movie A Christmas Story where the night before Christmas, uh, the mom and dad are sitting like by the tree and the lights are low. Like that to me is like there's that 48 hour window. The glow. Where this yes, where the it's like magical. Tis yeah. the season. But I don't get that feeling in November. Not right I, it just annoys me when I see it in November. That plus my dad's uh, <laughs> second wife used to decorate his house with like so many Christmas. Like you couldn't. My mom did that. Turn one way without yeah. knocking something over. It'd be like, you know, <laughs> all the tchotchkes and yeah. little little things. Like you sit on the toilet and there'd be an advent calendar staring at you. <laughs> right. But she had like this one tree that was all Santa Clauses. She mm-hmm. had like eight trees, and one of them was. Yeah. Like seriously, eight. Yeah, not I, like I, huge ones. I get it. That's a lot. My of mom treats. put one in every room. Yeah, that's what she did. Yeah, not full, <laughs> not full hilarious. size ones. Right. Like there was one full size family tree, and well, then there were, some were like a foot high. But yeah, there was one in every room. And one had it was all Santa heads. It was like different Santa Claus heads, and it was the creepiest thing ever. I'm like, this is out of a horror movie. She used to hate <laughs> me for that. I'm like, this is looking. They look like they're gonna come to life. The one tree that she did was like she photocopied sh- sh- like um, hymnal sheet music. Yeah. And cut it up and made garland out of it. Oh, yeah. I love that. Wow, and then creative. she made like Christmas uh, like music note ornaments and, and hung them on the tree. See, that seems nice. I, I, you know, whatever my dad's. Yeah, there were no decapitated heads. Wife on. was doing look more like something out of the movie Seven. <laughs> <laughs> my dad had all of our Christmas ornaments in like this big air conditioner box like you know like one of those swamp coolers you put in the window Mm -hmm. we had that a big empty box filled to the brim with all of our ornaments and my grandma would buy us an ornament from hallmark every single year and she would write the the year and a little message to Mm -hmm. us and from you know Graham and pap or whatever and that was always awesome but now it's like those those ornaments from hallmark were so heavy yeah like, or at, on the other end, very delicate. Very de- like you can't. I I haven't even put them on a tree in the last ten years because I don't know if a tree is strong enough to hold these things. <laughs> it's like a cast iron truck. Amazon too has announced they'll be delivering live seven foot Christmas trees right to your door this year. They'll be shipped within ten days of. I'm being drawing cut. the line at that. Yeah, you got to go out there and, and do you do real struggle. Bill, I know you do. Yeah. No, I don't do real. I don't even do a tree anymore. But Not even a little baby tree? I travel in the holidays, so it's like pointless. Remember but- when I went to <laughs> Home Depot to get a tree, and I, I came out with not enough twine, and then we had to go back, and I got way too much twine, and then I tied our door shut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On the car? Get, yeah, I had to get in and out of the car like Duke's ass. Or- I remember that. <laughs> oh, my God. I almost pulled all my hair out. <laughs> are you Are you getting... Are you excited for Christmas decorations? Is that the reason for doing this story right no, now? No, I just this All story right. just popped up, and it's you know. If you are you wanna... a Halloween decoration person? Uh, I feel like those are uh, you know what mutually I, exclusive. They I, don't need to be. 
I used to be, but we live on a dead end street now, so there's less people who go by. I'm like, why decorate outside? It's just for you. Right. Decorate the RV. You know what I mean? Just for you guys. Like at Halloween before, because we lived in, we used to live like kind of in downtown Carnegie, right. and the houses were real close together, and it was a small yard. So I would put like hands coming up out of yeah, the that's flower cool. beds that's awesome. and stuff like that. But I see, done I could that see you being good years. at that stuff. I love. To decorate for Halloween. Halloween is awesome. If I if I was rich, I would totally buy the most outrageous Halloween decorations, like guys on an electric chair getting yeah, and oh man, crazy stuff like that. We used to just play Black Sabbath really loud, and then we hooked up fishing line from the second floor of our house to the picket fence in front of the house where you came to get candy, and we made a ghost on a coat hanger and would shoot it down. That's awesome. Should be listening like just sab- scare the hell out of people probably. S- yeah, Sabbath bloody Sabbath while like just some stupid like, you know, <laughs> my bed sheets come flying down at you. I don't think it was really that scary. Mainly cuz the bed sheets had Bernstein bears on them. Well, it would come unraveled, yeah, and by the end it would look like we were just sending our laundry out. <laughs> my we had this Disney haunted house record and my mom would put Oh, dude, I know that record. Yeah, like oh, yeah. give me Put me on over here and see if this is playing. Afraid of nothing. Yeah, this is. We would play this. We would play this out the window. Fish plays this in concert. They play Talk that songs home. from that. There stands a dilapidated old mansion. Some say the place is haunted, but all those record scratches. Yeah. Nights. One dark and stormy night, a light appears in the topmost window in the tower of the old house. You decide to investigate, and you never. Return. Oh, yeah, I love this. Every year, Halloween. All right, we still have two weeks of summer. <laughs> That's all right. All the Halloween candy is in the stores. Oh, yeah. The stores are totally Halloween now. Henry Cavill is reportedly hanging up his Superman cape. The departure of Cavill from the DC Cinematic Universe follows the departure of Ben Affleck as Batman, but was his voluntary? I don't know. Uh, Cavill reportedly <laughs> couldn't reach an agreement about an appearance in Warner Brothers' upcoming know. Shazam film. I thought he got booted. Yeah, me too. I could be wrong. He got me too No. No. Oh. Oh, me too. Yeah, all right. Uh, and comedian Norm MacDonald might be feeling even more backlash after his latest questionable remark. MacDonald said on yesterday's Howard Stern show that someone would have to have Down syndrome to not feel sorry for harassment oh. victims. Yeah, Norm. that was the day after the Tonight Show canceled Norm. McDonald's appearance because he told an interviewer that sexual abuse and harassment victims don't have to go through what Louis C.K. and Roseanne Barr did. He said the comedians who are his friends lost their entire careers in a day. Of course, we know uh, ABC canceled the Roseanne reboot after she tweeted a racist comment about former Obama aide Valerie Jarrett. And five women have accused Louis C.K. of sexual misconduct. Roseanne, by the way, will be on Dr. Oz next Tuesday. She's blaming all of her strange behavior on Ambien. I, well, I, I just think she's mentally ill. I, Dean, I've always thought that her issues have been less of racism and more mental illness. But Norm MacDonald is, you know, one of the funniest guys of all time. And uh, he said... Some dumb things there. While apologizing, Norm somehow figured out a way to come up with something else that he has to apologize for, which seems very Norm. Norm, but, you're going the wrong way. But I don't know. I hope people don't 
you know, saying something stupid and being a monster are two different things. Yes. Because I'm sorry I said that about people with Down syndrome, but that to me it's nothing negative. It's not like I called them the N word. You're like, Norm, <laughs> Norm stop. stop. You have to reverse. Clouds and sun, rain possible today, 80 for the high is 67 in DD. Antonio Brown, talk about saying something stupid. I guess I didn't realize the extent or the gravity of the situation involving him threatening a reporter for the second time this year. Well, he's issued an apology. Two Mike, different reporters. Well, Ed Bouchette yes. originally, and well, he called him racist, and then said something to him personally. Now, did he threaten Ed Bouchette, or did he? No, just... he just called him a clown on Twitter. Remember, okay. he quote tweeted him, and then just basically right. disparaged him, and then said something to him in person as well. And then the the latest coming from an ESPN.com offshoot article about him in his social media use and he threatened to break the guy's jaw or no not break his jaw he said we're gonna see about your jaw when i'm not yeah basically saying i'm gonna punch you in your jaw (laughs) and if it breaks then we'll know how strong your jaw is maybe he just wanted to challenge him to a jawbreaker contest (laughs) i don't know well he's apologized anyways but the uh, good news the steelers might be getting a tight end back vance mcdonald full report next DVE Sports. Mike, proceed with your sports right now. Mike, Bleacher Report did uh, this feature with Rams coach Sean McVay, where he literally remembers every play he's ever coached. And they took him through scenarios and games, and they were presenting him with, okay, two years ago, three years ago, 2015, game seven, this happened. What was the next play? And he knows it. He's got this weird memory that he remembers every part of his coaching. Does he have that thing Marilou Henner has? Maybe. Where, where they remember every single moment of every day? Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Um, do you think Mike Tomlin remembers the last time Vance McDonald played? <laughs> well, that's asking a lot. I do. It was the fourth practice of training camp. <laughs> okay. Second one in pads, day after Ramon Foster got carted off with the knee injury. Vance McDonald rode a cart off the field with a foot injury. And uh haven't really seen him since, but uh, a full participant yesterday. That's good news for the Steelers. They're going to need uh, all offensive hands on deck because the Kansas City Chiefs are pretty good at offense, and they're going to score some points. Uh, I'm saying that... Acknowledging that I thought the Steelers' defense showed up in Cleveland and uh, did some promising things, some things that might lead you to believe that, hey, maybe they're not going to be a terrible defense like they were back in December and January. But the Cleveland offense and the Kansas City offense are two different things entirely because, well, for one reason, the Chiefs have Tyreek Hill, and he is very fast. Well, what that guy's capable of is one of a kind. Everybody knows he's he is the fastest guy in the league, and he can he can make a play out of nothing and turn it to a touchdown. How fast do you think he is? Easily, easy four two, easy four two, low four three on a bad day. So he he's he's blessed with great speed, and he shows it every Sunday. So what do you do? Run faster? Man, you just you just try to do your best to try to stay over the top of him. Man, we we know what he can do. We know he can take the top off. Uh, so we just got to make sure we stay on top of him and tackle him in open field, which is it's easier said than done. Keep in front of you, tackle Keep, the catch. Exactly. Do your job, stay on top, and make the tackle. That was nickel corner Mike Hilton. I, 
situations such as this always take me back to that unforgettable Dave Wanstead interview at halftime of a West Virginia game when the Mountaineers <laughs> were running all over and around and past Pitt, and the sideline reporter caught up with Wanstead on the way to the locker room and said, Coach, what do you got to do to slow these Mountaineers down? He said, run fast. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them in front of you and tackle the catch. Don't miss the tackles. Don't miss the they, tackles. They, they did a pretty good job last week wrapping up. It, it didn't seem to me like there were a whole lot of times where there were missed tackles. In the past, you could have rattled off you know, five or six just from memory. Uh, last year, they had a horrible time in the second half of the season tackling. Yeah, Cleveland made some plays, but I thought procedurally everything was pretty good. Uh, there weren't the... Wide open guys running uh, unmolested down the field. Uh, the runs did not become huge runs other than the Tyrod Taylor 20-yard touchdown run. Um, Cleveland got 21 points. Seven of those came after a fumble set the Browns up at the one-yard line on one of the possessions. It was a short field on uh, the last touchdown. So a good start for the Steelers' defense. But they're going to be a whole lot better. One of the things that was really curious, we talked about this uh Bud Dupree and his pass rush seemed to be getting too far past the quarterback. We had heard Keith Butler say in the spring and again in training camp, you're useless if you get behind the quarterback too far. Well, and they thought that switching sides would help them to stop doing yeah. that. Well, Bud said, hey, I wasn't getting too deep. I was doing what I was told. Nah, this game we had a, uh, a design call, and I had to – I'm the speed guy, so I had to – it would really try to – I can't – well, no, I can't say it. But, nah, I didn't get too deep. It was, it was, it was designed. No. It was designed. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I can't reveal the secret plan, but uh, – uh, Draw that one up again then because uh, – <laughs> Yeah, no, that's – you know, Cam Hayward had said after the game and again with us this week that they wanted Taylor to get outside, which seems contradictory to me with how you defend did him. He, did he say they wanted, he wanted – they wanted him to get outside or that they wanted him to just flush from the pocket? They wanted him flushed and throwing on the run, I guess, is the okay. the point. So maybe that's maybe they wanted Bud behind him and then chasing him why, on, why? once he got flushed so he couldn't pull up and set his feet. I don't know. You, you're better off to rush the quarterback normally to get him to go outside of the pocket. I, guy like that, I would want him inside the pocket. Right. That's what I, I thought they were trying to flush him to the... Go ahead. Use your arm. I know you can beat me with right. your legs. If you use your arm... I like my chances better. Right. He's not a pocket passer. But, uh, hey, you know, the the result was pretty good. The game was a tie, but the defensive performance, whatever their plan was, uh, seemed to work pretty well. They're going to have to have a good one on Sunday against the Chiefs. McDonald was a full participant. No David DeCastro, Joe Hayden, Ben Roethlisberger, Tyson Alou Alou, and Cam Hayward all uh, sitting yesterday out. I would think that at this point Hayden and DeCastro would be the guys to keep an eye on in terms of their uh, availability for Sunday. The Chiefs um, starters uh, on the participation report yesterday, Eric Berry, safety, did not practice. He's had a heel injury since week one of last year. Uh, Cornerback Kendall Fuller and linebacker Reggie Ragland, both full participants. Uh, The Steelers reacting uh, via the Post-Gazette to uh, the Antonio Brown saga uh, again yesterday. Uh, This dates back to last Friday when uh, Brown tweeted at Jesse Washington of The Undefeated, a reporter who had written a story about Brown that Brown perceived to be uncomplimentary. Brown's tweet had been, quote, Wait till I see you, bro. We gon' see what your jaw like. (laughs) That was last Friday at uh, 2.52 p.m. 
Mike Tomlin had this to say about it on Tuesday. Guys, don't ask me about social media things. You know, we, we could talk all day about things that are online or on the Internet or in social media. I just choose to stay away from it. Um, because it's a waste of my time. There's very little accountability. There's very little journalistic integrity, et cetera. Guys say things they don't mean. I talk to my teenagers about it all the time. Uh, let's keep it professional and in the, and in the real. Um, I think that's appropriate in this setting. Now, Art Rooney uh, thought otherwise. Here's what the Steelers president had to say to the Post-Gazette yesterday. Quote, it is never okay for any employee of the Steelers organization, player, coach, or front office staff to threaten a member of the media or anyone else for that matter. I appreciate that Antonio is apologizing for his inappropriate comments. Uh, Brown also issuing a statement slash apology to the PG. Uh, and silly me, I thought the coach spoke for the organization. I st- I make don't make that mistake again. Oops. I don't think Mike Tomlin had any idea the severity of it and I think he equated it to something along the lines of something that would happen during Fortnite. Like I'm not saying he is as aloof as Belichick when it comes to social media, but I think I don't think he grasped the gravity of that situation or his response would have been different. Because I don't think that's an unrealistic scenario, but it's also unacceptable. Right, that he should have. He's known. He's got to be more up to speed on this stuff. And I'll discount that. But I if don't... it's not him, it's you know, I'm sure people in the organization monitor their the players' social media. That would seem to be due diligence on the part of any team in this day and age. I do think he thinks this is just the language of social media. Yeah, See, I think it was, I'm not. Ex- I think it was well beyond. And that. I'm not excusing it. Me I'm too. explaining well over, it well over the line. Yup. I mean, you can't threaten a reporter and for this. You know, he didn't threaten Ed Bouchette, but he was. Combative and confrontational with him and insulting. So now this is a pattern. So I'm wondering what Two the league would do, right? Like, what happens if he did it again? I I uh, emailed the NFL on uh, Tuesday and I've yet to get a response back. So Jalen Ramsey got suspended by the Jaguars, but that wasn't a threat, was it? Oh, that was a threat. What yeah. did he say? I can't remember the exact wording of it, but there was a fight in practice, and he he was, said this is war. It was during like that, the right? uh, point yes. of practice that reporters are allowed to videotape. And guys had it on their phones, and he told them not to post it, and somebody posted it. And then uh, he went off. He, he let them have it. And the Jaguars suspended him for a week for conduct unbecoming a Jaguar. He said he said they were going to have, you know you done messed up, right? LOL. If y'all want a war, we got some for y'all. So I don't know. That seems even more innocuous than, I mean, <laughs> AB's was a direct, like, we're gonna see what your jaws, yeah, you know, looks like was, after I. That was smash in the preseason. It. I don't know if the Jaguars do that if it's week eleven and they're getting ready to play New England. I don't know. No, in that case, I think he'll just use Facebook Live and just record whatever Tomlin's saying to the group. Broadcast that out. Social. He media. wasn't. He he didn't uh, treat that like it was. A waste of his time. I mean, remember no. he reprimanded Brown pretty well for that, and he suspended Bud Dup- or uh, not Bud Martavis. Dup- Martavis Bryant when Bryant was being critical of teammates on Twitter. There's there is a line you can cross. Mm-hmm. It's in, se- in Mike Tomlin's estimation using social media. It just seemed to me that Mike Tomlin did not grasp the situation fully. Otherwise, his response would have been different. Kind of like Connor Hayward in the fourth quarter. 
Quick break. We'll be right back. DVE. Hey, it's the DVE Morning Show. You're home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Randy Bauman along with Val Porter, Mike Pursuta, and Bill Crawford, who is taking off to go on a USO tour here. Uh, when the show's over, you're going to be headed to JFK and then to Parts Unknown. That's correct. And they do that for safety purposes. You're like because, John Wick. Yeah. But nobody killed my dog. Wait, and not I'm not going to go on a killing spree. Not John Wick. Who's the one I want to Jason Bourne. That's it. Different guy. I should really see one of those movies. Yeah, you probably should. You never saw those movies? Nah, I haven't got around They're to it. They're pretty good. They're tremendous. I always figure some holiday, one of the channels will just have like a, a Bornathon, and I'll just, you know, sit around hungover and watch them all. I always uh, like to fantasize that somehow I could be like Jason Bourne, where I have all these skills that I don't remember that I have until like somebody tries to attack me in a bathroom, and then all of a sudden I'm just karate chopping them to death yeah it would look more like i feel like if that happened to me i like i was swatting at bees (laughs) (laughs) just wrists (laughs) just going like that or trying to block miles garrett well yeah that yeah not a pretty look for alejandro villanueva uh the breakdown of the the uh the play where james connor fumbled That'll be some kind of technique involved there. So, something screwy because it just looks on the page. I don't no. think with the rest of them. it. Like he he like flung his left arm at him, and then that was it. Yeah, by um, the way, before the break, I meant to say James Conner. We knew what you. Meant. I have to correct that. That's, I dropped the ball. Also, There's a lot of that. Really? Going on. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> You're going to be fine. PFT Commenter is going to be on the show nine fifteen. We have uh, each week on Thursdays barstool a barstool blast like the Berman blast. <laughs> Smell it's, my. Bar- it's either don't smell that bar stool. It's it's either it's either PFT or Big Cat each week. And we got PFT commenter this week, uh, who uh, is flat out one of the funniest guys going. And the Antonio Brown saga continues. Mike, this is what our friend Mark Madden had to say on the show yesterday. What do you make about the AB comment online? I I don't think there's any serious weight to. I don't think he was actually threatening to. Oh, assault. he obviously was threatening him. You think what? he was threatening to assault a yes, reporter? Absolutely was. How could you interpret that any other way? I think it's just uh, the, the the language of oh, social I don't think media. Has, I don't think Antonio Brown has ever had the balls to punch anybody. So from that point, it's empty talk. But but that coupled with what he said to Ed Bouchette online and in person over the summer makes you think... Oh, Ed Bouchette a racist. Guy's out of control. They don't care. What am, who am I to say? I think they care. Uh, I just don't know. They don't care too much because they're not doing anything about it. What if they took the table games away? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you think when Vince Williams said to Vontez Perfect, I'm going to paint you on sight, or paint that boy on sight, or whatever the hell he said, was he threatening to actually shoot him right there? No, he was threatening to help paint his house. You know, that's that's the wording. I mean, was he going to follow up on it? Probably not, but it's probably not something you should say in the first place right isn't it kind of like when you're a kid you say oh i am gonna kill you that's what i think you just there's no you know, but you're an adult now you're not but, saying, but you emotionally is a b an adult no well, that's a whole different conversation no and a short no one. he's not no <laughs> he is the most that's emotionally stunted nfler by far i would imagine i can't imagine anyone's near him in that regard but he's got to be very careful here because the NFL has to take this stuff seriously. And there's been a lot of threatening of the media around the world these days, and they shouldn't take it any less lightly, I guess, from NFL players on social media than anywhere else. 
though it does seem to me to be just I think it was more of just like him trying to intimidate somebody yeah. and discourage them from writing anything that he might not like, yeah, which is just not how it works. I've been doing this over 30 years. Uh, I've never seen anyone get hit in a locker room. I've never – it's happened – a few times in you know in the annals of history, uh, you never saw players fight. No, I mean, I've never saw a media member oh, get okay. hit by a player. I've what about an argument? Oh, I've seen them get yelled at. I've seen them get threatened. I've been yelled at. I've been threatened, but usually it's just something that you threatened in what way? I'll kick your you know. Well, you um, did you take it seriously? Like they were really going to do that? I mean, I certainly had my guard up. It didn't happen, but the difference was then it happened in the locker room or in, in a hallway of- or somewhere uh, out of the public eye, and it was something you just worked through with the guy if you ever wanted to talk to him again or mm-hmm. have a professional relationship with him. You waited till everybody calmed down, and then you... Address you, it. You addressed it. Uh, you know, this is going public with this stuff. Social media is a public forum, and that's the thing that drives the teams crazy about it is they can't control... The message, these guys just say whatever they want to say and they think there's no ramifications to it. And then the players think that they can just go ahead and delete it and they don't realize that once it's on the internet, it's there forever. People screenshot it mm-hmm. and send it around the world. Well, the- oh, I mean, I, I retweeted it as soon as I saw it because I thought it was an absurd thing to do. And I thought there was news value in that. Look, look what he's doing now, you know. And, I saw you retweet that and, and then went to his site immediately because I was like, is this real? And he had already deleted it. Yeah, but it's still on, it's still on uh, my timeline. Right. And I wasn't the only one that retweeted it. So it's there. Um, it's not a good look for anybody involved. No. Well, the journalist didn't, well, I mean. Excluding Jesse Washington. Not a good look for Antonio Brown. It's not a good look for the Steelers. I mean, he maybe didn't want to retweet it, Jesse Washington. But oh no, he did. I know. I'm saying maybe he shouldn't have done that because he deleted oh. it shortly thereafter. Oh, did he? Yeah. If I was him, I would have. Yeah. Like, hey, look, everybody. This hey, is- this is newsworthy. Uh, I think that uh, the soap operas continue with the well, Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is a team that will always have drama in one way, shape, form, or another. It's working out that way. Well, what this Val? feels a little no, less I... like a soap opera and a little more like Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, as far as Jesse Washington retweeting it, AB already put it in a public forum. Did he DM it or did he tweet no, it to him directly? No, he tweeted it. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. That's the thing is that like this no longer can be treated as something that's a waste of time and not real. It's like these players either need to be educated or. Or reprimanded take their, or take their phones away right yeah but that's a money maker for ab social media no you question. take away social media from ab you're taking money out of his uh out of his uh, paycheck well the facebook live thing like he had just started an endorsement with facebook yeah. that's why he was he was getting paid to film after the the game because he doesn't make enough playing the game what happens really what's going to happen to him when his career is over antonio brown yeah uh, I don't know. I think he'll be fine. He can live in his treehouse. <laughs> Just watch film. He won't be on ESPN. He won't become a pundit. I can tell you that much. Because from what I've seen of AB, his ability to uh, extemporaneously sort of discuss anything is uh, it's a bit, uh, he's a bit hamstrung in that area, Mike. 
Call me Ronald. <laughs> you guys call me Ronald. We had Frank Caliendo on the show yesterday, and of course we had to talk to Frank about the return of John Gruden. Frank uh, with us right now. And Frank, <laughs> I have to be thinking that uh, with the return of John Gruden to, to, uh, Wait, back? to, to NFL coaching. <laughs> now, I saw some of the stuff you did for ESPN, and uh, boy, he had a rough first week. I'll tell you what, man. We're thinking about trading the entire defense. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just playing. I want to get see if I can get uh, 53 quarterbacks on the team, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you have an unlimited amount of arms, anybody can throw. It doesn't matter if they can run or catch or play defense. If you score on every single play, then you got a pretty good chance to win the game. Well, how could you? I'm going to run. You know what plays I'm going to run? I'm going to run Spider 2, Y Banana, Spider 3, Y Banana, Spider 4, Y Banana, Spider 5, Y Banana. Just put in X. Spider X, Y Banana. X is the variable that becomes the number of the next Spider X, Y Banana. (laughs) And yesterday, the Raiders re signed Martavis Bryant. They are an absolute mess. Turns out we did need you. Sorry. He's going to get suspended anyway, so they could probably use him for, what, one or two games? So anybody, it's been reported that that is forthcoming, but I'm wondering what's taking so long. I'm not sure. Not sure. You would have thought that they would have already uh, levied whatever penalty was going to be assessed against him by now. Hey, the Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Tom and Tudge in Aspenwall. 225 Bud Light, 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. Don't forget, Steelers Chiefs is a 1 o'clock kickoff. That means 9 o'clock the pregame starts here on your radio home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DV. Amazon, too, has announced they'll be delivering live 7-foot Christmas trees right to your door this year. They'll be shipped within 10 days of I'm being I'm drawing the cut. line at that. Yeah, you got to go out there and, and you do real? struggle. Bill, I know you do. Yeah. No, I don't do real. I don't even do a tree anymore. But Not even a little baby tree? I travel in the holidays, so it's like pointless. Remember but. when I went to <laughs> Home Depot to get a tree, and I, I came out with not enough twine, and then we had to go back, and I got way too much twine, and then I tied our door shut. <laughs> oh, yeah. On the car? Get, yeah, I had to get in and out of the car like Duke's ass. Or I remember that. <laughs> oh, my God. I almost pulled all my hair out. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Uh, yeah, you know, people are just putting their Halloween de- decorations up. We don't need to start talking about Christmas decorations just yet. Well, the, I think Val was talking about that and saying that sometimes it it brightens people's spirits, yeah. and also Amazon is delivering trees to your door now. Right, it makes spirits bright. Right. Um, I don't think you should put Halloween decorations up yet. Yeah, a little early. I'd October, say October at least. But if you have kids, they're probably excited about it. They're just back at school. Why are you? Pushing? They've been back at school for weeks. What three weeks? Yeah. Who cares about kids? No, I'm just kidding. Good point. <laughs> Who cares what they want? I love you, girls. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, on the way for you, Missy Matthews from Steelers.com. PFT commenter 915 and Know Your Enemy with Adam Teicher from ESPN.com. He'll tell us all about the Chiefs as Steelers get set to uh, host the Chiefs in their home opener this Sunday. Val, what's up? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Through 11. It's 66 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The House of Representatives is moving to make it illegal to eat dogs and cats. 
A bill the House passed yesterday outlaws the slaughter, transportation, sale, and possession of dogs and cats for consumption. One of the sponsors, Florida Republican Vern Buchanan, said the bill is aimed at the 44 states that do not have laws making it illegal to eat dogs and cats. The other sponsor, Florida Democrat Elsie Hastings, said that the House vote uh, voted to unify animal cruelty laws across the country. The only states where it's already illegal to eat dogs and cats are California, Georgia, Hawaii, Michigan, New York, and Virginia. Is that just the place places where people definitely ate dogs yes. and cats? And they were like, all know. right, we got to get this law on the That's books. my takeaway from that. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I look at it as most people wouldn't even think of that, so there didn't need to be a law, right. but apparently there does. But anytime you see a law, you think, well, somebody definitely did that. In yeah. other countries, they they eat it though. There's it's different, you know. Well, we're not other countries. I know. I'm just pointing out that it does occur. I'm not. But it's time to make our stance official. I'm not for yes. it. <laughs> Let's put it on the books. Plus, you can't eat anything that can be domesticated. That's why people have problems with pigs, because pigs are so smart. You can domesticate a pig. You can live with a pig. You really can. People do. Yeah. I had a friend trying to think of other in high school. They had a pig, pets. Sam the Ham. And Well, if you name him Sam the Ham. Then he knows what he's going to eventually be. Yeah, but he... <laughs> I don't think they ever ate him. I mean, they might have. He died eventually of old pig age. Of slaughtering? Maybe. I don't did think they, so. Did they uh, have him cremated or eat or put on a spit? No, he's not in an urn. I don't know. What would you do if you're like, we loved this thing, but he is delicious? I think you'd have to sell him to somebody else, right? Yeah, I don't think he could. Yeah. That would be tough. Yeah, you wouldn't want to eat the ends. There was this meme that was going around Facebook, one of those like sucker you in and make you cry memes, but some kid at a 4-H uh, festival thing, whatever. Where How they- did I miss this? I've not heard of this. Uh, well, this because meme. this would be right up your alley. Yes. What and it was it? about some kid who's, you know, on a hog farm. And he's like, no, I want to raise this one. And, and then his mom was like, you know what this means? You know, you're going to have to sell this thing. It's going to get slaughtered. Like, you can't. This is what we do here. Yeah. This and, is life and, as we know it. And the kid did it. And he, like, you know, got had a prize pig, whatever. And it sold for a lot. And the kid's oh. just bawling with his ribbon. Aww. Like, I know. It's Aww. like. <laughs> And that either makes him the best hog farmer ever, or he goes and works for like PETA after that. <laughs> Pirates owner. I couldn't do that stuff, man. No. I have great admiration yeah. for the people who do because I like eating meat. How about the but news think- that came out that that John Lennon and Paul McCartney were hog farmers? No, that's not what it was. It no, was, no, it was different. I thought- no, okay, I'll maybe tell you I in the break. Yeah, that. no, it, no, it was something okay. else about the hog. But I, right. the people who do that for a living, I don't think look at the animals the way we do. It's livestock. Yeah, but when you're Correct. a kid, Just, it's tough to separate that. Can be, but mm-hmm. I don't know. For sure, because kids look at things from a totally pure standpoint. Like there was this kid that was absolutely freaking out about the thunder <laughs> Um, the other night, and and I was thinking, like, yeah, why is that something that we're just all kind of cool with? Like, you know, at a, at a pure age, you should just be constantly terrified by the weather. Like, yeah, well, like, what is happening? Oh, my God. The sky is literally falling. The sky is making noises <laughs> and raining things on us. <laughs> 
Pirates owner Bob Nutting is officially purchasing the Observer Reporter newspaper. Observer Publishing has come to terms on an agreement to sell its assets to Ogden Newspapers, which is owned by Nutting. Nothing but great pirate news from here on out. (laughs) That's expected to be finalized by the end of the month. And this was, I have no doubt this has been a problem for some of our listeners. Could you date someone who is a fan of a rival sports team? I know people that are married to Browns fans, and that is a it's well, like the, it's a tough tough part of the year for they're them. They're so bad. How can you? Right, you can't fight. What if? But about a Ravens fan or a Bengals fan or a Patriots Oof. fan? I oh, mean, no. I'd no, like no, to no. like you know make some sort of joke like you know you couldn't do anything like that. But if you can't separate your fandom for a relationship that's like good in every other way you got major issues well I'm sleeping in the guest house all season it's if a that's bigger... the one thing like she's a browns fan i can't i mean it was a joke in the movie diner that you know steve gutenberg's wife had to know enough about the colts to be worthy of marrying him it's a bigger deal breaker for women than men 22 percent of women say they could not date someone who's a fan of a team they hate but only 15 percent of men had an issue with it i don't think i would be able to date somebody who wouldn't be able to date somebody because of that okay like yeah. I think I had you're to think about that for yeah. a second. I think you'd be a lunatic if you wouldn't like if some smoking hot chick who was like your perfect uh, partner in every other way. Okay, so we're excluding people from Cleveland. In this. <laughs> All right, let's say Baltimore. Okay, and she's a Ravens fan. You're not going to be like, oh well, this is my yeah soulmate. Except, well, we just we root for different teams for 16 Sundays a year. Who cares? Football season I, I lasts would, way longer I, than I that. would care. I know it's not annoying, but it's not a deal. Or it's it's annoying, but it's not a deal breaker. No, but it would be a stress. What if what if the person was a fanatic? Like paint your face, paint your face, tattoos, yep. and then root for the team. War, uh, like rooms, dedicated like your right. whole house is decked out. And- no, yeah, again, I. How would you even be able to do that? The game room would look like uh, the opposite sides of the house in the money pit. You got your side, I got my side. Bill loves the movie The Money Pit. You can count on <laughs> two things from the DV Morning Show, a World War II reference from Mike Pursuta and Bill referencing the movie it's, The Money it's, Pit it's with Shelley classic. Long and my, and Tom Hanks from, what, 1988? It's a classic. It, I, don't, I don't remember the it's year. It's a funny movie. So but more about this. 31% of men and 21% of women say it's more important to be fans of the same team than have the same political beliefs. And 41% of men, 25% of women say it's more important to be fans of the same team than have the same religious beliefs. You gotta, uh, Mike, I, you got to weigh in on this. Would you consider marrying a woman who was diehard Michigan? My brother had the perfect answer to this. His, his wife asked him that question one time. She went to Wisconsin. My brother went to Michigan State. And she said, what if I had gone to Michigan with we still have ended up together. And he said, no, because if you had gone to Michigan, you'd be an a-hole. Therefore, I wouldn't want anything to do with you. <laughs> See? See? I mean, that's a it's joke. It's real. <laughs> it's, it's a joke. It's a joke, it's but a is joke. it? It is um, no. Is it really? Some other, it would be uh, a deal breaker for me. You got issues. <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, it really depends on how much you care about yeah. your team. Unquestioned, but it would be a deal breaker if, for me. If Diane okay. was a Michigan have, fan. She and doesn't you, have to be on board with MSU, but if you're against MSU, then 
You're against me. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much to love about MSU. How could you possibly be against anything that they've done? I know. I don't care. Yeah. Nothing nefarious is what okay, gone down what there. team uh sports team, pro or college? Do you know any girls wait, I dated no, that wait. hated the bands I love? Hated. What sports team has the most annoying fans? Uh Yankees. The Yankees okay. fans are Red Sox are pretty close. They they have become intolerable. Cubs are pretty close. The Red Cubs Sox didn't you both of those teams and they the correlation was the big money came in yeah. and they turned into the thing they hated. Yep. Red Sox and the Cubs yeah. became the evil empire in order to compete and it made them completely unlikable. And now Whereas before they were like lovable Cubs. losers that you were rooting for, the underdog, and now they're not. So if you met a chick that you really liked but was a lunatic fan of one of those teams, would you continue to date? Yeah, I did date a Yankees fan when I was like, you know, really into the Red Sox. My whole life I was a Red Sox fan because of a family in Boston, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So I was always a Red Sox fan. I dated a Yankees fan. It was and she was annoying. <laughs> But you kept dating her. Yeah, because we that didn't talk about if, the baseball. If it's baseball, that's got to be tough because that's yeah, like you were the whole year. <laughs> we went to games. It was like fun. You like, I don't know, you make it a thing. You know. Well, see, I, other... I could do yeah, it if it was a, a hockey deal. team and it was like the, one of the truncated season, like right after a lockout or something. I showed up for, <laughs> was it, it was kind of a blind date and the guy was wearing a Capitals jersey at a Penguins game. I'm like, you're done. <laughs> Deal breaker. All right. Uh, some other yeah, stats about, about our love like, of sports. Picture that. Like a Flyers fan? It's gotta Are be you kidding me? It's got to be no your mortal way. enemy, though. Like if right, you were, if you were just... a Pens fan and somebody was a Ducks fan. Like, yeah, that's different. Who cares, no, right? Not a big deal no, at all. that's different. It's got to be a saying rivalry. I'm saying this is the only thing. I'm not saying that it wouldn't affect your first impression. Of the person. Deal if you had already gone past that and you learned a week after you guys were hanging out and everything else was going great, then you learn about the other team affiliation. That's not going to make you stop. No, there's no way. Deal breaker. <laughs> no way. If Some she was a stats. Browns fan, I would be like, okay, she's loyal, but nothing else. And very sad. Because yeah. you got uh, to question the judgment and the, and the decision making, and that's going to lead to problems down the road. 22% of sports fans have admitted they would turn down sex to watch a game. I mean, I think a lot of married people have done this with great regularity. <laughs> Was it a playoff game or a regular season? <laughs> uh, 63% have traveled more than three hours to watch a game. 61% have spent money they shouldn't have. 37% have missed work. And well, it doesn't say if that's to watch the game or after the game. Well, we're checking a lot of boxes here, Val. <laughs> 34% have missed a family event and 14% have ended a friendship over sports. Yeah. I mean, that almost happened with me and Bill Burr. <laughs> yeah, that was... I mean, that was, that was unfortunate. He... Did you bring up Wolf Samuelson? Uh, n uh, <laughs> no, I brought up something worse. I brought up the Patriots cheating. I blame that on a couple of things, and one of them was the original fight happened, and your tone was different at first. You were kind of joking, and he never yeah. was. Right. And so then, it, when you realize that, the bear, yeah, yeah, and then he mauled too far. Me to death. Yeah, it was too far. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't stop either. The body, it was the no. revenant. Oh, it, yeah. Like you were, you were <laughs> dead, yeah. and right. he kept. Right. Like, 
it was ripping apart my my mutilated body. Bill called yeah. me it was like the day before Christmas. He's like, I was just out at dinner with my family, and Burr <laughs> called me and yelled at me again on Christmas Eve. Was it like the ten minutes uh, rant? Oh my God, it was worse. It was worse. He we we have a text exchange where he's calling me the worst names I've ever been called, and I'm like, Hey man, I'm I'm Christmas shopping for my kids right now. <laughs> Like I'm in Market Square about to go into a nice dinner and I'm taking calls from him and he's like, No, dude. No, and another thing, dude. And he's just crushing me and I'm like, dude, I Well and he and I had gone at it via text before that, like a month or two before that, and I kept telling him, I don't care. I'm like, dude, you're getting super pissed about this and I'm joking around, I don't care. And I but try see, to the thing is clear. is I care. And I, I started <laughs> like no, you... I had to let him know that I care. And now we can't ever talk about sports again together. I just, <laughs> every time Bartnick talks about when that happened, because he was there for the initial mm-hmm. back and forth, every time Bartnick brings it up, he talks about it like it was this horrific accident he happened upon. Yeah. And that he can't, he doesn't like thinking he about the devastation eyewitness. that he witnessed. Right. And there was like b- body parts strewn about the roadway or something. He's like, it was. When comedians oh, attack. I'll never forget that. That was, that was bad. In a in, in a seg like a setting that was supposed to be like not jovial. Yeah, it was supposed to be his like his parents hey. were there. <laughs> Everybody cleared the room. <laughs> he goes, "Who the f is that guy?" And Joe's like, "This is my cigar guy." Yeah. He goes, "Turn that phone off." <laughs> <laughs> he thought the cigar guy was videotaping us because he was just screaming at me. <laughs> Did you happen to record it? No. Oh, mentally he did. Yeah. Bill will never forget. He's scarred from that. Finally, rapper Mac Miller is expected to be buried here in Pittsburgh. TMZ is reporting the body of the 26-year-old who died of a drug overdose last Friday is being flown back here from Los Angeles. Miller will reportedly have a Jewish funeral service at a local chapel here in the Pittsburgh area later this week. I'm guessing maybe tomorrow or Saturday. Clouds and sun, rain possible, 80 for the high today. It's 66 at DVE. Yeah, you know, you guys are fine now, though. It's fine. You point you that Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, trying to... Just can't ever talk about sports again. <laughs> but Mike can next, DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. The Chiefs coming to town for a 1 o'clock kickoff, the Steelers' home opener this Sunday. And uh, five Steelers not participating in practice yesterday. Among them, cornerback Joe Hayden. He left uh, the season opener in Cleveland last Sunday in the fourth quarter with a hamstring injury. It's wait and see on Hayden. Cam Sutton is the guy who replaced Hayden for the duration of the Browns game. Uh, The Steelers also have Cody Sensabaugh still on the roster. He replaced Hayden for four games last year when Hayden was injured. Uh, It might be Sutton. uh, It might be Sensabaugh. It might be Hayden at left corner. Uh, However, the secondary winds up lining up. Cam Sutton said it's going to be a confident bunch against Kansas City. Oh, really confident. You know, guys have definitely stepped up when guys have went down or, um, you know, had days or had nicks and injuries going on. Um, everyone in the room has the most confidence in everybody. Um, and that's just, that's just how we play. That's just how, you know, our style of play and our game is built. Um, we come to work each and every day. Uh, we push each, another, each and every day. Um, and it's just, you never know that moment. You never know the opportunity that you're going to get. You never know when a guy's going to go down. You never know, you know, you never know any, any situation throughout the course of the game. Um, you guys just always have to be locked in and be ready to go anytime. I love Cam Sutton. I, I'm, I'm impressed so far. 
small sample size last year because his season got off to a very late start. He didn't get on the field until December. But he is really versatile. He's not the fastest guy out there, but he's a guy that they brought in trumpeting his ability to know every position on the field and understand the defense really well. I thought what he did, giving up that touchdown to Josh Gordon late in the game, which was a great catch by Gordon, but it was still the game-tying touchdown. And then to be able to come back and hang in there and, and get the interception that got him to overtime, I think says a lot about Camp Sutton. Yep. Because, I mean, he you know he was right there. It's not like he got burned. I, he got burned on the interception. It was underthrown. Well, the difference in the two plays, though, was on the touchdown, he wasn't able to ever get his head back around and locate the ball. He was... He was reacting off of Gordon going up for it, and he got his left hand up, but he he was still looking at Gordon, not looking for the football, just kind of hoping his hand was in the right spot. And Gordon, being the pro that he is, just reached around with both hands and caught the ball at its highest point and pulled it in. On the interception play, he was able to get his head back and track. And still a good play. It was underthrown, but... I've seen guys not make that play. Okay. And, yeah. they, you know, if they get another shot at it, who knows what happens. Uh, Steelers' offense is going to have to be at its best, uh, whether Hayden plays or not, you would figure. Kansas City has a dynamic attack. Uh, Marquise Pouncey, part of that Steelers' offense, and uh, he had an interesting experience looking at the Chiefs' video this week. Uh, Kansas City played the L.A. Chargers in its opening game in L.A. last Sunday. The center for uh, the L.A. Chargers is none other than Mike Pouncey. We heard from T.J. Watt already this morning. His brother Derek is a fullback for the Chargers. And Derek was able to give T.J. Watt the uh, highly secretive intel that Tyree kills very fast. Uh, I asked Mikey's Pouncey if he was able to pick up anything from his brother Mike uh, regarding the Chiefs. Oh, I know. It's crazy watching him on film. It's kind of actually. Do you talk to him and say, what do you got? Or does he not want to help you in season? No, no. We talked about it, man. Uh, he said they're good players. And uh, he talked about the things they did good against him and uh, the things they didn't. So it's cool. I think if you're Derek Water, Mike Pouncey, and you got a brother that plays for the Steelers, do you want to help him? Yeah, because that's a division rival. But it also might be a team you're uh, fighting for a wild card spot against. True. But you got to win the division first. Wait. Is Kansas City's in the same division as. No, it's the Chargers, Chargers and the Chiefs. Oh, are the Chargers. Same okay, all right. But they're also all AFC teams, so it could be, you know. If the Steelers beat the Chiefs, does that help the Chargers or does that hurt them? I was thinking Pouncey. Sorry. Okay. The Pouncey brother. Yeah. Not the Watt. Well, they're both on the Chargers. He went to the Chargers? I didn't even know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Zero uh, recollection of that occurring. I didn't realize it until I watched the game. Did you know they're not in San Diego anymore? I I know that, but I continue... <laughs> Wait, what? I, I continue to say San Diego. <laughs> we're, all, we're all coming around to it. Where are they? It's a great question. They're playing in some silly little soccer stadium. It's not very big. They're waiting on uh, the new ballpark there in L.A. And uh, Everybody said Phillip Rivers had guys open all day and they oh just dropped God, the ball. Oh, my God, the passes they dropped. He had like 400 yards, didn't he? It could have been six. The, the big play passes that they dropped, the guys were wide open. and So Ben could have a huge day on Sunday yeah. if the weather's not a factor. 
Yes. All things being equal. Yes. Okay. The, the secondary is a mess in Kansas City. And uh, the linebacking core is okay. Uh, it's not uh, – I don't know if you heard uh, Labs' Steeler report today or not, but the, some of the familiar names, uh, Marcus Peters, Derek Johnson, Don Terry Poe, a lot of their big-time defenders have moved on in the last couple of years, and their secondaries in flux. Uh, what it is now might not necessarily – might not necessarily be what it's going to be five or six weeks from now. They, they did a lot of roster shuffling at the uh, cut-down date to 53, and uh, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. Their they're nickel corner, uh, Orlando Skandrick, uh, might remember him in his Dallas days, he is not fast. <laughs> so he's the opposite of Tyreek Hill. Yeah. So uh, who's ever in the slot... When he was released, I thought, well, he's maybe open. there's somebody the Steelers can pick up. No, no. Dunzo, Turns out he's huh? not fast. Dunzo. A lot of wide-open guys dropping the ball for Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, did I mention Vance McDonald's going to play full participation? This is big news. This is crazy. It's been uh, since the fourth practice of training camp that he suffered a foot injury, but he was full go yesterday. That uh, encouraging for the Steelers. And uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, we've talked a lot about him, and, and rightfully so. But last year, uh, five catches for 34 yards. Nothing that's going to uh, stop the earth from turning. Uh, punt returns three for 39. Kickoff returns two for 46. So they did a great job on him. He Hill did not return kickoffs in the opener, but he returned punts. Uh, he took one of them to the house. All he did against uh, the Los Angeles Chargers was catch seven passes for 169 yards and two touchdowns <laughs> and return two punts for 95 <laughs> yards and one touchdown. He fast. And he's making plays. Uh, two that stand out. Uh, Mike Tomlin said at the outset of the week he used to be a gadget guy and a return guy. He made a combat catch going up and high pointing the ball, and he also made one. He broke off about a 30-yard route where the safety was so terrified about getting beat deep. He was just retreating, and all he did was run down 30 yards and make a right turn, Clyde, and the throw was actually uh, a little short, but there was nobody anywhere near him, so he had all the time in the world to just settle under it, and they settled for a 34-yard gain on that play. But Man, is he explosive. All right, D's going to have to get their communication down a little bit uh, this weekend, but uh, not a horrible first start against the Browns. No, it's pretty. They, they had a couple of substitution hiccups and a couple of things they could have played a little better, but nothing major that was a disaster. Which well, is progress, Randy. It is progress. We're going to talk with Missy Matthews from Steelers.com more about this Sunday's home opener for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And want to remind you that the. Uh, Pre, the pregame for Sunday's home opener starts at 9 a.m. here with Tim Benz and Dale Lawley. They hand it off to Mike Pursuta, Jerry Dulac, and Bob Labriola. And then it's on to the triumvirate of broadcasting with uh, the venerable Bill Hillgrove, Tunch Ilkin, and Craig Woofley. Woof. Football's back this Sunday, DV. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. You're home at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Missy Matthews from Steelers.com joining us right now. Good morning, Missy. How are you? Hi, guys. Good morning. Stuck in traffic, but doing well. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, hopefully uh, it won't last too much longer for you. And hopefully the uh, Steelers' winless streak won't last too much longer here. A tie in week one, which, uh, you know, it's not a loss. It's not a win. uh, But the opponent isn't getting any easier for them. Offensively, this team is as explosive uh, as anybody was in week one with the Chiefs coming in. What do you think the 
key threat is that the chefs, the chi- the chefs, that the chefs. Googly <laughs> moogly. What are the ch- what threat? Do you remember the-, the NFL commercial where the guy misspelled chiefs? Is it and it chefs? was just chefs in the end zone. <laughs> well, what do you think the key threat the chefs pose this Sunday is? <laughs> well, I think watching their game last week, certainly their quarterback, who was getting his first start in four touchdowns, almost 300 yards. Tyreek Hill, I know you guys have been talking about him a lot all week and even this morning, but um, they definitely had a good game week one, and I, I think they're riding high, especially when you have a young quarterback stepping in, a guy that – you are trying to build your offense around. So, uh, yeah, I think it will be a good test. Last time uh, the Steelers played, they had a running back who did really well. Yes. Uh, When they played the Chiefs. And then the last time they played last Sunday, they had a running back who did really well. They're not the same guy. But uh, do you suspect that the uh, one who played last Sunday can do it again? Yeah, I mean, they're clearly building the game plan uh, the same as they probably did the last time. The Steelers have played, I think, the Chiefs five out of the past six seasons, even though they're not a division rival. Um, Like you said, Le'Veon Bell has had monster games against the Chiefs. Now, is James Conner Le'Veon Bell? No, but what he was able to do week one, I think, maybe tempered what some people outside of the team were thinking. I know those players in the locker room, the coaching staff, had all the faith in the world in James Conner and what he was going to be able to do. Um, but, yeah, I, Ben Roethlisberger, too. I know everyone wants to talk about week one, the tie. He's going to bounce back. Uh, he plays great at Heinz Field. He is 6-1 and one against the Chiefs. And he's had monster games against them, too, not just Le'Veon Bell. So I, I think this will be a, a good game to hopefully uh, – Write the write the process and uh, get away from that tie. T.J. Watt had four sacks on Sunday, and then at one point three, yesterday he three. had three and yeah. a half, <laughs> and then at another point yesterday he had three. Have they taken any away since yesterday? Man, I hope not. We did a feature with T.J. Watt this week. You know how many times I've had to retrack how many sacks he's had against Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> as far as I know, as of right now, what time is it? Eight fifty. Still three. Three. But that's, uh, I think it's just him and Von Miller had three through week one. So he's tied for the league lead in sacks after uh, one week to go. So you know, I hadn't, yeah. seen, hadn't seen him play in a while. <laughs> I, no. I, I had forgotten how emotional he gets, which really is in direct contrast to how he handles himself, you know, nine to five. You, oh, yeah. He, yeah. You, you sat he down with him. Do you, so much personality. It, what, do you find that a little uh, interesting in that uh, so much of his personality comes out on the field and yet he seems so guarded off of it? You know who he reminds me of is a young David DeCastro who is just, I'm just here to play football. Do you remember his first training camp, his first season when he was a rookie? You would try to ask Dave DeCastro any question under the sun and it was all his reply was always, I'm just here to play football. I'll just do what the coaches mm-hmm. tell me. Just very, not ho-hum, not in a bad way, but was seriously just obsessed with football and learning the playbook. And I think that's how T.J. Watt is. I think he is starting to show a little bit more um, of his personality. But I also think T.J. was hampered in the fact that, you know, your first-round draft pick, so you have that pressure on you. Then you come in and you're J.J. Watt's brother, and everyone just wants to talk about J.J. Watt. And this is a kid who wants to be his own player, wants to make his own name in the league. So I think last year he was probably more or less sick of the media asking questions, that he was just giving, you know, blah answers just to kind of say, hey, I'm here too, and I'm trying to make a name for myself. But do you see him maybe coming out of his uh, shell around the games and and being more of a a presence that way? Yeah, yeah. 
done sack dances before. He, you know, he does a little kick thing. I don't, I don't know exactly what that is. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if you just watch him around the other outside linebackers, whether it's at practice or in the locker room or even during the games, but I think we're maybe he's a little bit more comfortable, so he can not worry so much about the football side of things, and more of that personality I think will come through. So he's going to be he, a, he's going to be a next wave guy. Spokesman oh, and presence and all that stuff. For sure. Yeah, I mean, back when he had four sacks uh, on Monday when I sat down with him, I asked him if he knew who was the last Steelers player to have four sacks in the game, and he didn't know. I said, oh, it was Joey Porter. And he thought that was great. He's like, I can't believe you didn't tell me. You know, he's showing personality. Of course, that piece uh, is mm. on the edit room floor, but yeah, <laughs> it, 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 the personality is coming through. It's coming through, I promise you. Did Bostic meet or exceed expectations last Sunday? I think it depends on what you thought about him um, going in. I think a lot of people didn't want to like him. I don't. I don't know why or didn't like maybe what they saw from him in training camp in the preseason. But I think everybody again had to remember that he was not brought in here to be Ryan Shazier. He was brought in, brought in here to help that inside linebacker group. But he was never going to be Ryan Shazier. So depending on what you thought, I mean, I, I thought he had a good game. He had a sack. Um, and I think he's gelling really well with Vince Williams. And I think we've seen that relationship build on and off the field from training camp even more as we get into the regular season now. Missy Matthews from Steelers.com with us right now. No Le'Veon Bell once again. Is there any hope that he shows up before week 8 or 10 or whatever he plans on doing there? I don't know, and to be honest with you, I'm kind of like, I think Pouncey yesterday was the one in the locker room pursuit. I don't know if you were there. He was just like, guys, I don't care. Like, until he gets here, we're done. I know, like, yesterday, a lot of the national media, ESPN and NFL Network, it was like, week two, first practice, no lady on Bell. No one else really cared. You know, last week, I get it. It was a big deal because I think everybody thought he was going to be here on Wednesday. But I think the mood now is kind of like, all right, we have James Conner. We know what we're doing. Uh, we'll worry about that later. But, I mean, me personally, I have no inside information. My gut just tells me he's not showing up anytime soon. Do you expect to hear from him? Because, the, to me, that's the one point that's sort of, like, going to be an issue every week until he comes out and actually clears up, like, hey, guys, I'm not going to report till week 8 or week 10. Right, I know. When, don't you wish you just, like, knew? I'm sure everybody wishes uh, they just knew. But uh, So it could be – so the story could get put to bed – because, it, right, it, like it you said, everybody's You're tired right. of it. I know. I wish he would just go on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever the cool kids do these days and just say, like, yeah, I'm reporting week, blah. But, you know, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. And maybe it's because he doesn't know. Maybe he maybe he really was going to report last week and then something changed and now he has another date in mind. And maybe it's better if he doesn't put a date on it because then if that date comes and he doesn't show up again, all hell's going to break loose. Maybe he's just... Going to announce it via a rap song, but he hasn't quite finished the song yet. <laughs> well, maybe you can help him with it, Pursuta. Uh, I'm sure I could not. <laughs> what do you think would be the bigger drop-off if we don't have DeCastro on Sunday or, or Joe Hayden? Hmm, I, I would say Joe Hayden. Here's why. Uh, B.J. Finney has actually filled in for DeCastro against the Chiefs in, in Kansas City, which is a crazy, crazy place to play. Um, he's had that experience, and I just think Joe Hayden is – he's had a full off season with this team. He is that guy on not only just the defensive back group. I mean, I just think of the whole defense. He's kind of up there with Cam Hayward now, where last year he was kind of thrown in right before the season started. Everybody knew he was a veteran. Everybody's seen him play before. 
But now he he's the guy, you know, everyone trusts him. They've been around him enough. So I, I don't know. I, I do agree with Pursuta that there is a lot more depth in the secondary this year, which makes me feel better. But if I had to pick one, I would say Joe Hayden would be a bigger loss. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I would just put an asterisk on my opinion. I want to see it against Kansas City as well. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, this, it's a much better test for the secondary this week. But I did like the way they played in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it had to make you feel good that uh, it wasn't kind of a repeat of the craziness of last year when Joe Hayden got hurt in Indy and there were different uh, shufflings going around with other soft tissue injuries. Missy Matthews from Steelers.com. Missy, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much for taking time this morning, and hopefully the traffic clears up for you soon. I'm pulling into the facility right now. Nice. Guys. I, I, I made it. All right. Well, say hi to everybody. Looks okay, like she made it. Say hi to Steely. We'll see you. <laughs> Bye. A new pizza restaurant in Mountain View, California, is pushing the limits of robotics and artificial intelligence by having machines replace humans in the kitchen. The technology is so advanced, it also keeps track of what customers order and predicts the pizza they might want before it's even ordered. Oh, don't. Yeah, but I I always feel like places can predict what I want. I order from like five places and they all know what I want. And then I order enough for like three people and it's only me. <laughs> Do you and the guy, I, Oh, yeah, all the time. Honey, the food's here. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Why? Why do you do that? I don't think I'm so lonely. <laughs> and why is this single I'm not guy eating worrying? my oh, feelings? Yeah, no, this guy—he's got a fulfilled life. Honey, tell the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, you should just panic, like in front of them. Kids, come on out. Get kids. Kids. kids! <laughs> Where are the kids? <laughs> And then just grab them by the lapels. You've got to help me find my kids. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, we have our, uh, you know, in honor of the Berman Blast returning to ESPN, our Barstool Blast with PFT Commenter coming up. Every Thursday we're going to have PFT Commenter and Big Cat interspersed. You know, Is that what we're calling the segment? It's the Barstool Blast. <laughs> okay. I like it. I mean, I'll ask PFT commenter if that's okay. He may want to change it up, and I'll you know respect his wishes to a certain extent. But that's coming up in about 10 minutes. Val uh, had to take off. A quick news update for you now before we get there. A, a look at today's weather from the Channel 11 Weather Center. 11. Yeah, currently right now it's, I don't know, what do you think, 73 degrees? Something that sounds like right. Probably, yep. mm-hmm. uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, he has been named the top grossing actor of all time. He's held that title what? before. Yeah, now that doesn't mean he's made the most money. That just means he's done the most movies. The movies that have made the most money. And also the most movies. The top 10 uh, actors with their all-time gross and their highest grossing movie. Samuel Samuel L. Jackson, his movies have grossed $5.753 billion. His highest grossing film was The Avengers, $623 million. Uh, I would have guessed Snakes on a Plane. Harrison Ford is number two. $4.963 billion. Force Awakens. On Star Wars is the uh, biggest grossing film he's done. $936 million. I mean, think about Harrison Ford's career. He's Han Solo and Indiana Jones? And Henry from Regarding Henry. I don't know. Is that just I me? Mean, I'm the only one that yeah, likes that one? No, right, but that's, no. that's not really a trilogy. He was in American Graffiti. Probably didn't. That didn't get a lot either. Huh? Did it, was he Han Solo in that? Yeah. 
He always plays Han Solo. Yeah. That's his thing. That's why his movies do so well. People yep. love Han Solo. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., $4.96 billion. Yeah, that's all Avengers. Yeah, Infinity War, $678 million. Number four, Tom Hanks, who's He's now playing everything. Mr. Rogers here in Pittsburgh. $4.65 billion, highest grossing film. Toy Story 3. I would have guessed The Money Pit. In a million years, you love The Money Pit. Toy Story, Toy Story 3, I never would have guessed that. No, it would have been like Polar Express or something. Morgan Freeman is number five. $4.52 oh, billion. Yes. Dollars. Highest grossing film, The Dark Knight. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Yo, Hansen. ScarJo, $4.385 billion. Also Avengers. Uh, yes, Infinity Wars. Andy Serkis, you know that dude? He's Gollum. Know. He does the Planet of the Apes. He's like that actor that they always put the CGI pads on and yeah. then turn him into something else. The weirdest looking man in Hollywood. Yeah, and he was also in, he was the bad guy in Black Panther. The first bad guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Four point, the guy with, with, he was missing an arm or something. He's been in everything. $4.357 billion in Star Wars The Force Awakens. He was also in that. What was he in that? I don't know. Anthony Daniels is number eight. Do you know that name? Nope. Anthony Daniels. Oh, $4.04 billion movies he's been in. Who is he? C-3PO. Okay. Makes sense now, huh? What about the Wookiee? Where's the Wookiee? Yeah, the, where's Peter Mayhew? Where's the Wookiee in this? By the way, where's the Wookiee movie? I'll say it again. You want a Wookiee movie just as bad as I, I want another Money Pit. You want Money Pit too. I want. What yeah. if we had the Wookiee in the Money Pit? <laughs> and we <laughs> called it the Wookiee Pit. <laughs> this is a money making. The Wookiee buying a house and it just being a total lemon. It's just, just like, falling apart. Dude, think about it. Like He's like in the shower and the shower head just falls off into the ground. And he's like, <laughs> it's just him being aggravated at everything in the house. Him trying to fix the stairs. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> hitting his Wookiee thumb with the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Just him being told, dude. This is this is a sure thing. The Wookie Pit, and then we'll put Tom Hanks in it. Tom Full Cruise circle for him. Tom Cruise is number nine. I would have thought he'd have been higher. He's for, just been in so many damn blockbusters. Guess which is his highest grossing film? Mission Impossible One. War of the Worlds. That was huge. Two hundred thirty-four point three million dollars. That did. I don't even think I saw like half an hour of that movie. Never went back to it. Number 10, you'll... Tim Robbins was really good in More of the Worlds. Eddie... Tim Robbins is not on this list. Eddie Murphy is number 10. $3.8 billion. Shrek. Shrek 2 is his highest grossing movie. Yeah. That is a nice boulder. (laughs) (laughs) It's my Eddie Murphy impression. It didn't sound like Eddie Murphy. It sounded like somebody else, and now I can't think of who it is. Oh. Your breath stank. Are you in a relationship with someone who kind of looks like your mom or dad? Guess what? Yeah, you are. No, a I'm new not. study out of the Czech Republic looked at 950 heterosexual couples, and the researchers found that most people subconsciously gravitated towards settling down with someone who looked like their parents. The men tended to gravitate toward women who looked like their mother. <sighs> women went for guys <laughs> who looked like their father. Rico Fada. 
Researchers think it's because we have the first meaningful relationship in our lives with our parents, so their characteristics get imprinted in our brains like a template for the future. But since it's hard to find an exact doppelganger of your mom or dad out there, we go for more basic characteristics, specifically eye color and hair color. So if you're in a relationship with someone whose eye or hair color matches your mother or father, they say, well, that wasn't an accident. What if it's a dyed hair color? Doesn't matter. If it's the same, it's the same. Was that the original hair color you were attracted to? No. Right. I guess that's what they're saying. Your initial attraction is based on an imprint that happens when you are young. I don't know. Is dating someone that looks like your mother like a tie? This is like, uh, no, it's a Oedipus Rex complex. Ah, the scariest of all the dinosaurs. Yeah. The weirdest. <laughs> the dinosaur that only uh, attacked people that look like his mother. <laughs> it's the creepiest of all dinosaurs. <laughs> Uh, there's an 81-year-old guy in Mobile, Alabama named Louis Mapp who recently volunteered at his local hospital. 81. Every Tuesday, he goes and rocks babies to sleep to give their parents a break or when the nurses are too busy. That's really nice. It and is also, nice. who is that guy? Louis Mapp. Everybody know him? I don't know. He's just, he rock- cool? he's just rocking babies. He's a baby rocker. I come here to rock the babies. <laughs> I see a thousand babies. <laughs> he mostly helps with uh, preemies. It says it's always the highlight of the week. Preemies are my thing. Ever since he started doing it, he's been really impressed with how the nurses and doctors are. So on top of volunteering, he and his wife decided to donate some money to a local hospital. A million dollars. Whoa. Yeah. How about that? They wanted to do something that would continue to make a difference after they both passed away, he and his wife, so they donated a million dollars of their savings. The only stipulation was the nurses get to decide how the money was spent. There's a feel-good story. That's a great story. We have too many crappy ones, and we're going to end on a crappy one. We are? Yeah, Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. His workout regimen. He listed it yesterday. Have you heard this? This yeah, his, he, he works out with the Funky Bunch, right? He says this is his workout schedule. His typical daily schedule. 2.30 a.m., he wakes up. <laughs> okay, right off the bat, it's ridiculous. Nobody does that. 2.45 a.m. I do. That's why I'm always out of breath. Yeah, he's got so many By things. the time you wake up, I've already worked out four times. Well, he has. At 2.45 a.m., he undergoes prayer time. I gotta pray. Uh, please, Lord, let me have a good workout. A half an hour. <laughs> he prays for half an That's hour. A lot of prayers. There's no way he prays for half an hour. He does. Do you think he does sets of prayers? Yeah. <laughs> Hail Mary. Hail Mary. He's grunting by Hail the end of it. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Right. At three fifteen a.m., he I has got br- four Hail Marys out there. He has breakfast at three fifteen a.m. So then, 25 minutes later, at 3.40 a.m. until 5.15 a.m., yes, that's right, from 3.45 till 5.15, basically 95 minutes, is his first workout. So he's done with his first workout at 5.15 a.m. At 5.30 a.m., he has a post-workout meal. All right? Yeah. So then, Marky Mark showers after that, okay? Now, he has this in his daily schedule. He has to put that down. (laughs) Shower. Here's the thing. The shower starts at 6 a.m., and the next thing on his schedule is golf at 7.30 a.m. I take a shower for an hour. 
Is PFT commenter on right now? You it's throw a power shower. For All right, before hour. we go, you know, much like the Berman blast, we're going to do the barstool blast here on Thursdays, uh, where we interchange PFT commenter and, and Big Cat on the show. PFT commenter, I wanted to have you on for this. We're, we're talking about the uh, Marky Mark workout regimen. Have you heard about this? I'm reading it right now as we speak. So uh, I'm seeing he wakes up at two thirty every yes. morning. Is, yes. that, is that correct? That is correct. He takes. That's a psychopath move right there. The, the <laughs> weirdest part is his prayer time goes from 2.45 until 3.15. Yeah. Like, at, at that point, God's like, hey, listen, I got to go, man. I gotta go. <laughs> 30 minutes on the phone, uh, you know, my, my battery is dying. I got people to talk to. There's a bunch of wars going on. I don't know if you've heard about it, but um, I, I'll, I'll do my best to make sure that your movie debuts at number one in the box office. Yeah. Go, yeah. Do my best to make sure that your calves look extra sculpted today. He's I'll do my best he's, to get the Funky Bunch back together for a reunion, <laughs> but I can't promise. I've got to go. Praying for definition. Uh, what a psycho. He is a psycho. He goes, he goes to bed at 7.30? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 7.30 p.m. is when he goes to bed. Oh, my God. Yeah, he must be just a, a blast to hang out with. But here's the funny <laughs> thing. He showers. This is on his schedule. Do the math on this. 6 a.m. shower. The next thing he has is a 7.30 a.m. golf tea time. All right. Yep. Then he puts in an 8 a.m. snack. He has to remind himself to shower and snack. Remember to snack. Yeah, he's got two snacks. Listen. No, no, three snacks. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a kindergartner. Okay, 8 a.m. is snack, and then I have another snack at 10:30. Uh, so he showers what like three times. Yeah, he's, this is like this is basically my junior high school schedule right now. <laughs> Always in the shower, <laughs> making sure I'm extra clean. You give extra clean. My what? first my first snack is orange wedges. <laughs> Second snack, goldfish crackers. I like he has 11 a.m. family time. His kids don't go to school until 12.15 every day. That's family time. Got to work out first. Yeah, nothing says family time like wedging it in between like six workouts and five hours. Like, and you, you check off like five minutes with your kids, and you're like, okay, I'm a good father. I'm a good father. And the, the, the best of the last two, his at 5 p.m., he has another shower, Okay. Because he's out. Because he's. This is after workout number two, and and he makes everybody eat dinner at five thirty, so he can go to bed at seven thirty. <laughs> How pissed would you be at your dad? You'd be That's like, so Dude. weird. The, the worst part about this is he clearly doesn't have time to watch sports, so he goes to bed at seven thirty every every night. And can't watch any of the primetime games. Like yeah. that's disrespectful. He acts like he's a big patriot. Yeah. But he's not watching America's game. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that, that is very true. Uh, PFT commenter from Barstool Sports. Pardon my take. Podcast with us right now, dude. It's great to talk to you. I have some questions for you, and I want to run through them because I I consider you to be, uh, you know, big time, and, and you know you got your finger on the pulse of the NFL. Who had the worst week one? John Gruden, Ooh. Matt Patricia, or Nate Peterman? I mean. Matt Patricia had a pretty bad week one, um, as was pointed out by a few people. Uh, he's, you know, he's got that pencil behind his ear. Yeah. But but his play sheet is laminated, so he's like he's trying to scribble onto a laminated piece of paper with a number two pencil, and he's supposed to be a rocket scientist. Like I don't understand what kind of school of rocket science I believe is the correct it is. name he comes from. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the Lions had a really really tough week one. Um, John Gruden, I'm actually, I, I flipped the switch on John. I'm now a believer in what he's building out there. I think he's just trying to shoot the moon. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's tanking this year. Like, I don't, I don't understand what else he could be doing, but he's getting rid of all of his good players. Um, <laughs> he re signed Martavis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he brought Martavis back after saying he didn't want, 
I, nobody knows what the hell that guy's doing. And, and with Marshawn, I'm, I can see Marshawn just like walking out of the locker room after week two and being like, hey, I don't, I'm too old to deal with this stuff. Like, screw you guys. I, I don't have to deal with John Gruden anymore. Um, I like how he's set for the national anthem and nobody even thought it was like disrespectful. They're just like, that's Marshawn. He just, he doesn't know what's going on. He's just over there pounding Skittles. Yeah, the nice thing about John Gruden, you'd think that he would be a type of coach that would get mad at his players for, for not standing for the, the national anthem or whatever. But he's so focused on just football that I don't even think he knows what the national anthem is. I think he thinks the national anthem is, I've been waiting all day for Sunday night. He stands at full attention when he hears the Fox NFL injury music. That is the like, slow, morbid version of the theme song. He's like... That is the ultimate song of reflection. <laughs> so, and then Nate Peterman, boy, he had he had a rough go in Week One. Thirty-four minutes as the starter. Yeah, but what a thirty-four minutes they were, man. We will we will never forget Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Actually, I just ordered a Nathan Peterman T-shirt last night off his official Nathan Peterman store. Who there, knew that he had one? There's a <laughs> Nate Peterman store. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, they have one customer, and it's me. And uh, I've got my shirt on the way now. But he. Uh, yeah, that that will be a legendary performance. Like those two games, you can't get any more perfectly bad than that. And I'm pretty excited to see my guy Josh Allen starting. Um, don't know if you've heard about this kid. He's tall. He looks good in shorts. Got a rocket arm. <laughs> he wins. You're a big fan. Um, yeah, Nathan Peterman. You know, he he could play the stats are for losers card because you know on paper he didn't look great. But as McDermott will tell you, we got to watch the film on him to make sure that we can you know, really say that his seven interceptions that he's thrown in 30 minutes were actually bad. <laughs> you never know. That's true. The tape doesn't lie. Rams coach Sean McVay, uh, uh, Bleacher Report yesterday, had a video showing his uh, prowess at remembering him. He remembers every – he's got like the Mary Lou Henner thing. He can remember every day. He remembers everything. He remembers every play he's ever called, and they tested him on it, and he came through. It was spooky to watch. My question for you, PFT commenter, is – how far back do you think Hugh Jackson remembers plays? Uh, Hugh Jackson doesn't remember what he hasn't had for breakfast yet. <laughs> he's like he, he already doesn't remember stuff that that he has hasn't done yet. Like he, <laughs> Hugh Jackson is the end of that game in in Cleveland was so preposterous when when he kicked that field goal with 13 seconds left um, and actually gave the Steelers a chance to win that game. Uh, I, I have no idea what he was doing on that. Have, have you guys asked? Did you do the thing where? Uh, you asked Ben Roethlisberger if he knew that a game could end in a tie. Uh, no, they. Uh, it was uh, Terrell uh, Edmonds, our new, uh, our first round draft pick. He he thought it was going to the second OT. Okay, I imagine it with Big Ben. If you were just like, "Hey, Ben, a tie. It's like a hung jury, but for sports." He would get it. He would understand <laughs> that pretty quickly. See, you're a big J now, okay, and uh, journalist. And now that Antonio Brown. And has uh, thrown his hat in the ring of threatening journalists along with Jalen Ramsey. Uh, my question for you is, have you been threatened by an NFL player yet? What was the threat? Because if not, I don't know if you can truly call yourself the Big J journalist. Yeah, I mean, uh, Danny Woodhead has threatened to have me assassinated a few times. <laughs> oh, no He's kidding. a real jerk. He's a real jerk, that Danny. No, um, I don't think I've been threatened by anyone, not physically, um, I mean, I've, I've gotten to some battle of the wits with Chris. Chris Long has threatened me with a future of uh, global warming. Which, um, I don't know if that was specifically directed at me or if he was just sounding the alarm when we had him on the show. Yeah, he's a big, but, uh, big L. And, and you know what? Um, 
Lawrence Taylor, he didn't threaten me, but just like being in his presence, you feel threatened just because he's <laughs> that, that like he, He's liable to snap at any second, just his eyes darting around the room, just identifying weaknesses in everybody that he sees. Uh, that could be a threat. Lane Johnson is another guy who you sit next to him, and he all he has to do is just kind of look at you. And you're like, okay, I feel threatened now. Um, so, I, but, it, but in terms of on Instagram or anything like that, no, I think people know that, you know, you catch me on these social media streets, that's where I can do some damage. In real life, then, yeah, I'm sure, you know, most NFL players could probably beat me up. I'm not going to say all because there are a lot of kickers out there. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, never been threatened in real life, really, by one. Although, I listened to uh, the most recent part of my take, and uh, your Yinzer accent uh, aside, in the very funny serial spoof that you guys did, I thought you were going to get beat up by uh, Michael Bennett in that interview. Oh, yeah, he's just kind of an aloof guy. Uh, Sounded like I he thought, was not okay with you guys joking around with him. No, he was actually fine with it. He, he was cool with it. That, that is, um, I guess we didn't release too many videos, video clips from that interview, but uh, he was fine with it. He's just kind of, that's by his nature is to just like sit back and, and be a little bit aloof. And sometimes that doesn't really come across over uh, over uh, like an audio uh, medium. But um, yeah, you're making was, excuses for him only makes me think that the threat was real. Yeah, I'm blinking in rapid succession. Right now. <laughs> he, he was, uh, he, you know, he, he was a good guest. We got him through a friend of a friend, and um, he had fun. And it, I, I thought it was okay, but uh, I guess sometimes when you have somebody who's like very low energy uh, at that time, then it doesn't come across as being like happy or, or joking around. And I thought that he did joke around a lot. Yeah, no, it. I mean, it's a great that that was a great podcast you guys dropped the other day. Uh, my other question for you: Doug Marone, coach of the uh, Jags, said he's so pissed off at not making the Super Bowl, he's never watched one. Now, yeah. is this something that the NFL should make a rule that if you're not good enough to get there, you're not even allowed to watch it? <laughs> Well, is this his way of admitting that he's like a little modern-day Mike Tyson? He's just selling his Super Bowl tickets on the side? He's like, yeah, I've never seen him, but I've got a lot of close friends that have paid me money. I, I don't know what's going on <laughs> with that. But I think that he uh, – I don't know. I, I think it, it's not a bad idea to institute a rule to force everybody to watch the game. I mean, the, the ratings need all the help that they can get. So <laughs> if you can get you know a couple hundred extra eyeballs on it, why not? Sure. Uh, with Marone, I actually I, – I completely buy his explanation that he just – he gets so mad if he doesn't make the Super Bowl uh, that he doesn't watch it. And, I mean, spending a lot of time in, in Jacksonville and Buffalo that, you know, the odds are he probably won't make the Super Bowl unless it's, you know, 1990 through 1994. But uh, he's uh, he's such a football guy that I can I can see that explanation being true. He just gets like physically ill having to watch somebody else win a championship. <laughs> I can I can see Gruden doing that too. I can't imagine him wanting to watch anything that that he wasn't uh, involved in championship wise. Yeah, I don't think Gruden's ever watched a football game uh, that he hasn't been involved in in general. He's watched the tape of it. Gruden might have watched like the all twenty-two of every single Super Bowl that's ever happened, <laughs> uh, or or like the old uh, camcorder footage from the nineteen seventies that he then replays for his his offense to try to teach him how to run like a T formation. But uh, I, I don't I don't think that Gruden's ever watched like a television production of a show. If he, he does, didn't even know that he was on Monday Night Football. He probably <laughs> just thought that he was standing there just like talking to some weirdo, some short weirdo that kept talking about the game and never played. Do you think they just ran video of the game that was occurring in front of him <laughs> through a filter that made it look like it was coming through a Super 8 film? I, I like that idea a lot. Like Don Gruden's 
Google Glass is just like <laughs> to your face into a VCR. That's right. BFD commenter, uh, last thing I have for you before we let you go, Dave Damashek, our buddy from the NFL Network, uh, talked about, you know, uh, Big Cat had brought up on your podcast the other day. Uh, did you ever get to the point where you're old enough that your team losing doesn't affect you or doesn't affect your mood? And Damashek tweeted out yesterday uh, that it only is relief for him. He no longer even has joy. When his team wins, when the Steelers win, it's relief. When the Penguins win, it's relief. So I want to say congratulations to you as a Caps fan for now having won a championship. From now on, you'll never experience joy. It's only going to be relief that you didn't win, that you didn't lose. Yeah, you guys are speaking from a position of privilege over there. That's that's such a Steelers fan answer. Uh, you know, I just I'm I'm happy when they don't lose because it doesn't make my day worse. Like you guys expect to win all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm curious to know how how Pittsburgh handled the tie. Like what do you do for a tie? At least if you if you lose, you know that you can get drunk to drown away the misery. Right. If you win, you can get drunk to celebrate. But when you tie, what do you do? You just get drunk because you're confused? <laughs> yeah, you have a free night. That. Anything that happens didn't really happen. There you go. Yeah, it's like the purge. Um, <laughs> last night, as a matter of fact, I, the, the Capitals were nice enough to send over some uh, Stanley Cup victory wine to me. I had a couple bottles. Um, it tasted very, very sweet. I think this is the start of the dynasty. Yeah. Um, as, I, as I said last year. Uh, as a vintner the, or as a hockey team? Uh, both, both. I'm yeah. going to get into wine like LeBron James now. As now that my team's the goat, uh, we uh, yeah we, we enjoyed uh, a couple bottles of red wine around the office last night. So that was, that was pretty great. I have a question for you guys. Though. Okay. Are are we concerned about Le'Veon Bell? Where are we at with that? Because I I have a suggestion for you. Please, please tell us. Uh, why don't Why doesn't the entire city of Pittsburgh start a hunger strike until Le'Veon comes back, and then that way? All of your deaths are on his hands. And really, see if he cares about this. City. <laughs> that's uh, that's not a bad idea. Although you know that might just be committing to mass suicide, though, because I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. Um, well, you don't think so? You don't think he's coming back at all this year? No, he'll come back I in mean, week eight. Yeah. You know, to be- get in a crude season, whenever that is. Yeah, because the Steelers could hold him out for two weeks if they wanted to and not pay him, which would screw him out of his season. So he has to come back week eight. Uh, I think he'll end up doing that. But look, this town's in love with James Conner, even though he fumbled at the end of the game. Haircut aside, they love that man. I like the haircut. I like it because uh, it's such a bad haircut that it discourages him from taking his helmet off in celebration. That saves him from the penalty. See, there yeah, you go. It's just... the penalty. What, so, like, with the monocle gate, though, like, what did you guys, what was your interpretation of Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell's monocle tweet? Uh, I just uh, I thought that he was. It was uh, definitely shade. He, I thought. I I th- I believed his explanation that he didn't know a game could end in a tie, and that was him looking into it, into the rules. <laughs> All right. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah. I got a nickname for him now. I'm going to call him Monocle Lewinsky because <laughs> he, he's got a stain on him. <laughs> something that you guys will not forget PFT commenter from Barstool Sports the ESPN has the Berman Blast we're doing Barstool Blast Thursdays uh, with PFT commenter and Big Cat until we come up with a worse name thanks so much for joining us today man we'll talk to you soon alright see you guys okay pardon my take on Barstool Sports if you haven't started listening to it yet well get on board because those dudes are hilarious as you just heard Adam Teicher from ESPN.com is going to do our Know Your Enemy segment coming up 940 DVE Sports Mike Pursuta with a sports update for you now on the DVE Morning Show Game 2 this Sunday Steelers home opener against the Chiefs is a 1 o'clock kickoff in Heinz Field and we've talked a lot about the Chiefs wide receiver slash return man Tyreek Hill probably talk about him some more tomorrow he's that good but 
Don't sleep on the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Second-year guy made his second start. They let him start the meaningless regular season finale last year, and then he started the opener this year. They cleared the path, Kansas City did, by trading Alex Smith, who was a pretty successful quarterback if you look at wins and losses and what he was able to accomplish in Kansas City. But uh, these guys are different players. Mahomes is young. He's got a rocket arm. He has great mobility. He is able to handle the football. They do a lot of misdirection and a lot of hocus-pocus stuff. Uh, They want you looking over here, and then they want to run the ball over there or throw it over there. But uh, I I was uh, quite impressed watching Mahomes do his thing against the L.A. Chargers. Uh, 15 for 27 for 256 passing. Uh, He also ran the ball five times for 21 yards. He's got that ability to either run an option, either a read option or a traditional uh, option where you have uh, Tyreek Hill as the potential pitch guy wide. you got to respect that, right? That creates a lane for Mahomes. Um, He can also step up and avoid pressure and still keep his eyes downfield and throw the ball. Uh, T.J. Watt also got an eyeful uh, doing the Kansas City video study. He's a young guy. He's got a great arm and he he can also get out of the pocket. Um, I don't know if he necessarily loves to run the ball, but he can run the ball. Um, that's always a challenge for a defense, um, as you saw this past week. So um, it'll, it'll just be really challenging. I think we just got to let him know we're there early and make him stay in the pocket and make him use his arm strength. Let him know we're there early. Now, that's an interesting observation because when you run the ball as a quarterback, you take some hits. And uh, Andy Reid did one thing in this Chargers game that just floored me. First and goal from the four, and they ran a read option – and Mahomes kept it, and he got hit by about five guys. He got <laughs> viciously face-masked. The penalty was called, but the the hit that he was exposed to didn't make a lot of sense to me, given how talented he is and, and seemingly a lot what, of times those, guys, of those guys do that in week one. Uh, you know, the rookies, yeah. they it takes a while for them to figure out, like, you don't need to be taking a hit. But you're, you're saying, why would Andy Reid put him in that position? Right, I and mean, this place? is a goal line play from the four-yard line. He's trying to get to the end zone up. Mahomes showed the ability to slide when you should slide or run out of bounds when you should run out of bounds in the open field. But if you're keeping it near the goal line, you're trying to score, and chances are they're packed in and you're going to get popped. And I don't know why they would have him do that, why they would expose him to that. It just seemed too much. Uh, If you get a shot at this guy, you know, within the rules legally, you can't get a helmet penalty and all that stuff. But if you get a chance to stick him, I, I think that's, Let him know you're there. Yeah, that's those were the exact uh, words used by T.J. Watt. Uh, keep an eye on that early in the game Sunday. That might dictate what the Chiefs do and don't do the rest of the way. We'll, uh, we'll talk some more about these guys tomorrow. But uh, interesting uh, matchup in that it appears to be offensive strength against offensive strength. I think based on what happened in the two respective openers, the Steelers' defense is much better than Kansas City's. Well, that's good. Offensively, though, they may uh, be closer. Oh, I think they're very close offensively. Yeah. But I also think the Steelers... Hard to get a gauge on where the Steelers are after last weekend. Though. I think they're very good. I think, you know... I think they're a lot better than six turnovers. Yeah. I mean, they had a 300-yard pass or a 100-yard receiver and a 100-yard rusher. That should add up to a lot more than 21. All right. Quick break. We're going to come back with Adam Teicher from ESPN.com. It's our Know Your Enemy segment here, and uh, Adam will get us all uh, up to speed on the speed of the Kansas City Chiefs. 
The DV Morning Show, Randy Bauman, along with Bill Crawford, Mike Pursuta, welcoming Adam Teicher from ESPN.com. It's our Know Your Enemy segment here where we learn about the Steelers' upcoming opponent and the Chiefs coming into town Sunday, a 1 o'clock kickoff at Heinz Field. Adam, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing today? We're doing all right. I mean, uh, you know, we thought we'd be 1-0 right now. We're 0-0-1, which uh, didn't even seem like that was a possibility going into it. But now we face a real test. We couldn't get past the first one, which should have been a gimme. And uh, the Chiefs kind of scared us uh, looking at what they were able to do against the Chargers last week. How do you think uh, this is? Uh, the, the Chiefs are looking at this for week two? Do they see it as their first real test as well? Um, I think they, they see it as a better test, not necessarily a, a first test. Um, um, you know, but, but the Chiefs have beaten the Chargers now nine straight times. They always beat the Chargers. They always make Phillip Rivers make some mistakes. And it's just, it, it, we've seen this before from them. But we, the Steelers are a different deal for the Chiefs. That, that's been kind of a, in the last few years, as you guys know, that's been a, uh, uh, a thing the Chiefs uh, team, the Chiefs haven't been able to get past. And uh, so th- this is going to be a better um, um, test for the Chiefs in a lot of ways. The Steelers are a physical team. The Chiefs really aren't. So I'm, I'm certainly eager to see how the Chiefs stand up to that, uh, whether they do any better than they have in the last uh, few tries against the Steelers. Uh, you know, there's a young quarterback uh, who, who certainly handled a road environment really well last week. Um, but it's going to be different in Pittsburgh. I mean, there were a lot of Chiefs fans out there in L.A., maybe a third, 30%, 40% of the stadium was Chiefs fans. So, um um, it, it wasn't the atmosphere that it's going to be like in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. So I want to see how he handles that. I want to see how um, he and the Chiefs maybe handle some adversity. You know, the Chiefs scored a touchdown two minutes into the game the other day and were led the rest of the way. So they, they never they were never in desperation mode. I want to see what they look like against a good team in that situation. So there's a lot that we still don't know about the Chiefs uh, in that regard. Adam, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I was blown away by how, how comfortable and confident he looked. Uh, did everybody out there see this kind of performance coming? Give me the short version of uh, training camp to week one. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think you could have seen that kind of game coming, but I don't think it was a surprise either. I mean, he's beyond what you'd expect a guy to be. I mean, he's a guy who... You know, his dad played Major League Baseball for, what, 11 years, something like that. So, you know, he kind of grew up hanging around in Major League locker rooms. So he just kind of gets it. He understands the, the whole pro sports thing. And, and uh, um, he's not really phased by a lot. You know, it's hard to rattle him. Um, he, he just he just sort of gets it. He's, he's a hard worker who really wants to, uh, you know, puts in the extra time and really wants to uh, be great at his craft. So, uh um, you know, I can't tell you that, um, you know, uh, hey, I, I wasn't uh, uh, that I expected him to throw four touchdowns on, on opening day. But, you know, looking back on it, it's not a huge surprise. I mean, he's a talented kid um, and the Chargers were never really able to rattle him. And I'm, I'm curious to see how the Steelers do. Uh, you know, that's a team that's kind of known for rattling some opposing quarterbacks. And certainly I think they were in Alex Smith's head to some extent. So, uh I'm I'm really see, uh, eager to see how he stands up to this. Uh, what he's going to see on Sunday. The other thing that stood out to me watching that game was uh, as explosive as the Kansas City offense was. Rivers had guys running open all day, threw for 420 something, and 
what, four, five huge drops? That uh, that could have been a whole lot worse defensively. Is the Kansas oh, yeah. City secondary as suspect as it looked? Yeah, it, it's it, that's been an issue for the Chiefs for a while. Uh, all camp, you were wondering about it. I mean, they cut one of the guys they were counting on, David Amerson. They signed him as a free agent, but he was so bad in the preseason they had to start scrambling. So they signed Orlando Scandrick, um, and they traded for a guy with the Cowboys, Chavarius uh, uh, Char- Ward. So. Uh, um, you know, the Chiefs are scrambling back there. And without Eric Berry, that's kind of their, uh, you know, go-to guy in the secondary. And he um, d- didn't play last week. I, I'd be surprised if he played this week. So um, um, it, it's going to get a little ugly back there. And, um, um, you know, it, it's going to be a pretty good test. I mean, I don't know how they're going to handle Antonio Brown. I suspect they won't handle Antonio Brown. He'll just kind of do what he wants to do. Uh, well, they won't have to ha- handle Le'Veon Bell, who's been a killer for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the past, James Conner uh, comported himself right up to the point where he didn't uh, with that fumble, uh, which really started the uh, the the downslide there for the Steelers. But uh, it would behoove the Steelers greatly if they didn't have to deal with Eric Berry. What's the situation there? Well, he's you know he's had trouble with an Achilles, and and uh, you know, he tore one last year in the season opener, and the Chiefs are a little bit fearful that they throw them out there it's going to happen again um to the other leg so um you know he hasn't played he didn't play at all in the preseason didn't play at all last week hasn't practiced since august 11th so it's been more than a month and um you know the chiefs keep calling him day to day well and they keep saying he's getting better well if you're day to day and you get better you play the next day so uh he's either not day to day or he's not getting any better so, um, um, I, I, you know, he didn't practice again yesterday, and, uh, um, you know, he didn't, probably didn't need a whole lot of practice time to, to be ready for a game. So, you know, I, it's not too late to say he couldn't uh, play in Pittsburgh, but um, um, I'm really wondering. I mean, we haven't seen him for a while, so uh, um, it's hard to predict that he's coming back this week. The Chiefs got very little uh, against the Chargers out of Hunt and Kelsey. Was just the way the game evolved, do you think that they thought they could exploit Hill against that defense? Uh, might it be completely different this Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the Chiefs, the, the, when they played the Chargers in recent years, the, the Chargers have really prioritized Travis Kelsey. And he really hadn't done much against them over the years. But you look at Tyreek Hill, and he's had a lot of big plays um, against the Chargers. So, that that's the poison that the uh, the Chargers picked the other day. I expect the Steelers to do things a lot differently, and um, uh, so yeah, I, I I think this game. Well, yeah, they usually don't cover tight ends, so that that, <laughs> that should be wide open. <laughs> yeah, well then then uh, look for Kelsey to have a big game, but uh, yeah, you know the Chiefs will do stuff differently. You know, the game in L.A. was kind of a weird game uh, for the Chiefs. They they got ahead early and, and uh, didn't have a lot of snaps. You know, their defense was having trouble getting the Chargers off the field. So they were really at a snap deficit in that game. I think they took, I don't know, about 20 snaps fewer than the, the Chargers did. So um, it wasn't a typical game in that regard. I think that maybe, maybe this game will be a little better in that regard and the Chiefs can uh, get back to maybe more of the stuff they like to do. But, hey, it, you know, the, the way Hill was playing, why not feed him? You know, that that's uh, – the Chargers just just could not cover him. 
his cheetah speed might be a little bit too much for us to uh, to handle on Sunday. We've got to punt the ball out of bounds, I think. Yeah, but you look at the history. that The Steelers have done a really nice job defending against him um, since since he's been in the league, you know, particularly that playoff game. I know that the Chiefs were really hoping to unleash him on the Steelers in the playoffs a couple of years ago, but uh, he did nothing that night. So uh, um, it's been tough for the Chiefs uh, against the Steelers. I mean, 43 points in the last three games against the Steelers. And you, know, you look at the, the move the Chiefs made at quarterback, you know, they kind of went from a sure thing in Alex Smith. But, but Mahomes has more upside. Maybe not immediately, but uh, there's going to be in it. You, you, you like to – I think it was for games like this that the Chiefs made the move at quarterback. Uh, they haven't been able to beat the Steelers. They've kind of been at a, a deficit quarterback-wise. And, and um, you know, if not today, then at some point the Chiefs won't be at a deficit, or, or so they hope, um, against teams that have quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger. Adam, I thought uh, Patrick Mahomes looked like a young Dave Urema out there. I'm worried. Yeah, well, if uh, if that's the case, the Chiefs are going to lose a lot of games for sure. <laughs> Adam Teicher from ESPN.com with our Know Your Enemy segment talking about the Chiefs-Steelers game this Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff in Heinz Field. And you can hear that right here on your radio home of the Steelers, WDVE. Adam, thanks so much for your time this morning. Hey, anytime, guys. Okay, man. We'll see you. Good stuff right there. Yeah. This is going to be a fascinating match. Oh, I'm psyched for it. Really that, f- that actually got me a little fired up. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. a really fun game to watch. Steelers. Then again, I think most of them are. Thanks to uh, Adam. Thanks to PFT Commenter from Barstool Sports. Thanks to Missy Matthews from Steelers.com and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Ann Wilson, who was on the show. That was a really great interview, by the way. The Ann Wilson interview? I really enjoyed that. Did you really? Yeah. All right, good. What you are you showing me? <laughs> I love how Randy didn't believe you at all. No, I didn't believe him. No, I like that interview for real. Sometimes I hear it, sometimes I don't, based on my editing and what I got to do for the sports. <laughs> right. But I caught a lot of that. I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of hers. Hall Me of too. Famer. Me too. She's, uh, you know, sometimes she's uh, more talkative than others, I guess. I thought it was a little muted. No. Oh. So I'm glad that you found it uh, entertaining. I did. I did. You know what's super entertaining? Oktoberfest, and it's going on at Church Brew Works right now. Pittsburgh's premier brew pub celebrating their Oktoberfest through Sunday, October 7th. Enjoy a, enjoy a drink. Dine in Splendor. That's right. Splendor is a state of being, not That's a right. part of Lawrenceville. Brewer Keel has brewed a uh, variety of great beers for you to enjoy, including their number one seller, Oktoberfest. Can't settle on just one beer? Try a sampler. Not a beer person? Try a specialty cocktail from their full bar. Chef Durrell cooking up Oktoberfest classics, including Wiener Schnitzel, Beer Braised Bratwurst, and Sauerkraut. What are you eating over there? Do you have the Kobe beef? Oh, yeah. That's what I always have, man. That's continuously nice. fire. Open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. The Church Brew Works is located at 3525 Liberty Avenue in historic Lawrenceville. Thanks to those guys again for bringing in all that wonderful food this morning. Tomorrow's show, Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. Also, T.J. Watt, your AFC Defensive Player of the Week, nice. will be joining us here on DVE. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.